Hello, and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Dustin Jackson. And Stinky Ape Summer continues as we walk walk out of not E3, bruised and battered, but still standing. Speak for yourself, I'm sitting down for this one. Uh, So, yeah, we're, we're done, apparently with the game announcement season, and we have very little to to show for it from <laughs> what I think the community's hopes and expectations were, but that will not put a damper on Stinky Ape Summer. It's not gonna not gonna take it to the shower. No. The stink will continue to uh, waft off that ape for the next few months. And, of course, this is also a summer that sees several game anniversaries. Uh, Next week, or I guess just in a few days, it's going to be the 25th anniversary of Banjo-Kazooie, which we will be acknowledging and celebrating and honoring here on The Conversation. Never you fear. We've also got the... 20th anniversary of Mario Golf Toadstool Tour in July. And I know everyone's just pumped about that one. And of course, I can't wait. Yeah, we will be doing a spotlight on Toadstool Tour as well. We got a lot of stuff coming up. Anniversary celebrations, other other big events. We just had the interview with the Return to Crocodile Isle creative talents. So we, we've got stuff lined up for Stinky Ape Summer, even if we don't have wild game speculation to rest on. We still have a lot of nostalgia to mine and a lot of things to discuss. And one anniversary we have not gotten to yet, but we are getting to on this episode, is the 20th anniversary for Donkey Kong Country parentheses, Game Boy Advance. Yes, the GBA remake of Donkey Kong Country just turned 20. And I hate that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's getting pretty bad when the <laughs> second remake of a game is hitting the big double-digit milestone anniversaries. It's like, oh my god. Jeez. Ah. Yeah, so... This episode is the long-awaited spotlight episode for Donkey Kong Country on the Game Boy Advance. But before we get to it, Dustin, two quick things I would like to give the old plug to. Can you guess what they are? Um, I can I can take a wild guess. Yeah. Go for it. Um, could it, could it be, uh, the DK Vine merchandise we have in store? Wow, you know me. You know me so well. Yes! DK Vine's merchandise shop at dkvine.com forward slash merchandise or just by finding us on T Public. We've got shirts, Dustin. We got shirts that cover all across 
the DKU. Shirts in honor of it, shirts riffing on it, and shirts celebrating DK Vine as well. They they also uh, cover all across your torso. They do. All across your nipples and below. And so, I would just like to say that we do handcraft all of our shirt designs. We do not use AI to formulate <laughs> them, to create them, as ironically, T Public's AI, their algorithm seems to think we do, hence our slashed profit margin. But we are not going to let that diminish our output on the merchandise store. We are sticking by our merchandise store, and we will be rolling out new shirts for July, just like we do every month. So check it out, dkby.com forward slash merchandise. Complete that summer look you want to rock whenever you're at the beach or uh, poolside or I, I, what do people do in the summer? Uh, wallow in the, in the swamps. Yeah. Okay. Wallow in the swamps. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, Dustin, cause I just wallow indoors getting depressed about, uh, the DKU. So, yeah, I mean, we, we can make our own swamps in our own houses with our various uh, fluids that come off <laughs> of us in this heat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on some fluids right now. That'll go, <laughs> that'll go great in, uh, my, my bayou, my, my self-made bayou. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> merchandise, wear it. Also, I really do need to plug the return of the DK Vine form. That's right. So, uh, it was, uh, what, what, what month was it? May? Was it May that the DK Vine Forum went down? We hit May. It's May 1st. And then the DK Vine Forum went dark. Uh, nobody could post anymore. And long story short, we have an explanation on DK Vine about what happened, but our old ass forum architecture finally couldn't keep up with the go-go lifestyle of 2023. So it died, uh, but... You had to take it out back. Oh, yeah. No, it took itself out back. It it, 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 it didn't <laughs> yeah, want... Yeah, it saved us the trouble. It's, yeah, didn't it's want like, to don't worry, us. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just took off in the middle of the night. We woke up and we were like, what happened? Where is it? So we have a new DK Vine form, new and improved with the most state-of-the-art form software that 2003 can deliver. And it's actually really nice. It's the new play control DK Vine forum. Took us about a month to get this up, but it continues the spirit of the old DK Vine forum. It's both a continuation and a fresh start. Win win. <laughs> that's, 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 it's, it's, it's <laughs> neither like, uh, state of the art because it, it's, like I said, it's, it's just as old as the game we're discussing today. Uh, but it's still more current than our old forum. So we, we are quite pleased with it. We got a lot of new fun things, just a lot of fun emojis and forum post icons. And I don't know. It's, it's just a lot of fun to be like, Oh, I want, I want to make a comment on the new play control DK Vine forum. And I'm going to drop in an emoji of Krill the whale from Donkey Kong Country Return because <laughs> why not? So yeah, you can check it out at dkvine.com slash forum or dkvine.com slash forums. Both take you there right now. We're not going to trick you 
with infected toe and peroxide anymore. I mean, that might still <laughs> exist. Like, if you forget what, what it is and you type in something else, you might still get infected toe and peroxide or <laughs> Easter egg video from way back when. It might still be in circulation. We're just not going to tell you how to find it. You might do it by accident if you have an absent mind. So uh, we're just going to let that linger. We're just going to let that be a surprise put out there. So don't you forget the uh, the correct addresses or else you might be in for a rude awakening when you try there to could be dire them. consequences. Dire consequences for your eyeballs and your ears, quite frankly. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's it for due diligence on this episode. Let's get to the Short spotlight. Short and sweet this week. Yeah, let's get to the spotlight, Dustin. Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance. Now, it was released 20 years ago, June 6th, 2003, in Europe. June 9th, 2003 in the Americas, and we had it out June 20th, 2003, in Australia, and not until December 12th, 2003, in Japan. What was wow, the holdup? half up? a year. Yeah, what was the holdup in Japan, I wonder? Man, who who knows? Maybe they were trying to put more references to the cartoon in there. <laughs> Surprisingly was, popular in Japan. It was probably just juggling release dates, because this was still the era where we didn't have necessarily the same release schedule as Japan. You would have games that would only come out in Japan, and that we would never get in the West, and so maybe it was just coming out at an inopportune time in Japan, and they said it will do better at the end of the year, but... Whatever the case may be, we've obviously discussed the Super Nintendo version of Donkey Kong Country, the original version, a great deal on this podcast. It's DK Vine's conversation. Of course, we've discussed the Super Nintendo version of Donkey Kong Country. And last year, Cameron and I did a dedicated spotlight on 2000's Game Boy Color version of the game. So, the Game Boy Advance version, uh, it's something that we've only really brought up in passing when discussing other broader topics. Like, Dustin, when you and I did our now infamous four-hour episode on Donkey Kong's (laughs) Treehouses, it Uh, came up. How could I forget? Earlier this year, when we discussed, uh, like, the Congo Jungle um, it, it, it came up. We actually used the GBA rendition of the Congo Jungle as our key art for that episode on YouTube and SoundCloud. Man, but I was on both of those. You were, you were. So it hasn't been something, though, that we have put the dedicated spotlight on, even though it is vitally important to the history of Donkey Kong. And that might be surprising to some people out there when I say the Game Boy Advance remake of Donkey Kong Country is vitally important to the history of Donkey Kong. And quite frankly, the larger Donkey Kong universe. And it's important in a way that I don't think has ever really been appropriately measured by non-Donkey Kong games journalism. Like, I don't think outside of DK Vine... It gets the due it so deserves. And while I know this episode won't have a reach beyond our own audience, I hope it does start changing people's perception 
on the Game Boy Advance remake of DKC because, yeah, you know, compared to the Super Nintendo one, most people will pick the Super Nintendo one. It can't really compare. But when you look at the effect it had on Donkey Kong and on the fandom of Donkey Kong, then I don't think you can turn your nose up at it. Oh, definitely. Uh, I I remember them really marketing this one when it was first coming out. I remember seeing ads in magazines, uh, commercials for it. Remember game commercials? I don't know what commercials are, Dustin. I, <laughs> I cut the cord. I don't have cable. I guess I get commercials on Peacock when I'm watching the U.S. office. I get commercials, and they're mostly insurance commercials like State Farm and, and uh, that's not as good. No, these, so. these ones, these ones had a gorilla in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I prefer usually anything with a gorilla in it. Sometimes a bear, <laughs> sometimes a squirrel, sometimes pirates. Yeah, so... <laughs> if Super Smash Brothers is the kingmaker, this franchise, this game series that can take a character or a concept and make it universally known put it on a pedestal where it can never be discarded again because it is in this game that everybody recognizes as the legitimizer, right? When it bestows upon you uh, the status, then it will never be diminished again. If Super Smash Bros. is that, then the Game Boy Advance Donkey Kong Country Remake Trilogy, especially this first game, That's the torchbearer. It's what kept the light of Donkey Kong Country and Rare's vision for Donkey Kong alive at a time when, had one or two circumstances been different, it may have been extinguished entirely. And that might sound like... I got chills. Yeah, that might sound like hyperbole, Dustin. That might sound like me trying to... You know, make history more dramatic than it actually was, but I think it's accurate. And as we go through this episode, maybe that will become more clear. Really quick, though, I do want to give a shout out. We are, of course, live streaming this for our $5 and up patrons as we record. Hello to Freezer in the live stream chat. She is a enormous fan of Rare's Game Boy Advance library, which this is the ground floor of the Game Boy Advance library. And I, Rare's, Rare's output on the GBA is twofold, right? Because for our community, it's lionized. It's, it's beloved. We, we talk endlessly about the GBA handheld library. For the broader right. games community and even broader Rare fandom, uh, it's overlooked. It, it's not considered. You know, it, it wasn't even in Rare Replay. People don't really give it its due. And as we now are approaching the 20th anniversary of all of these GBA games, we will be hitting them one after another. And uh, we will hopefully be getting everybody on Freezer's side of opinion. But also another... Uh, aficionado of at least the handheld Donkey Kong games, Malik is in the live stream chat, the cartoon gamer. Oh, hello. Hello. Hello, Hello, both Freezer and Malik. Yeah, so I feel like we've got the experts with us on this uh, 
this recording, Dustin. So I, I feel like we can do no wrong here. We 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 have the brain trust in tow. That's great. I, I don't even have to do anything. I'll just let them handle it in the chat. <laughs> That's a great podcast right there where I just have to read their comments. <laughs> I just sit here looking at my phone. Yeah, the conversation where I just read people's remarks. (laughs) So, going back, rewinding uh, 20 years and a half a year ago, when this was announced, it was very confusing. Because the buyout of Rare by Microsoft, of course, happened in September 2002. And we never thought after that that Rare would be touching Donkey Kong ever again, right? Like, of course, right. Banjo-Kazooie, Conker, like, the, the spinoffs, the DKU would be going with Rare. But as far as the mothership, Ground Zero, Donkey Kong Country, we thought, like, Rare would just never get the chance to influence DK as a brand ever again. And so when Nintendo quietly announced Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance, scheduled for June of 2003, we didn't know what it was, really. I mean, of course, the assumption was that it was the first Donkey Kong Country game, but this was like just a couple years after the Game Boy Color version. And and we were (laughs) like, but Rare is no longer with Nintendo. How is this going to work? Is Nintendo somehow just porting Donkey Kong Country by themselves without Rare's input? So we were, I don't even think we were hyped. We were just baffled like the bear by it. And... (laughs) I don't think it was actually clarified for us what it was or what like the actual intent was who was behind it until it was brought up on Rare's website where Lee Loveday explained that because Microsoft didn't have a handheld console, they were actually cool with Rare continuing to develop games for the Game Boy Advance. Which suddenly meant that several games announced at E3 2001, you know, like the most glorious E3 in the pantheon of E3s for DK Vine. Those games were back on the table, including Grunty's Revenge, Saber Wolf, and some form of Diddy Kong Pilot and Donkey Kong Coconut Crackers. Like, we didn't know. Are, are we still getting those games? Are they going to get a, a makeover with Banjo or, or whatever? We, we, we didn't know. But we knew that Rare was doing the remake of Donkey Kong Country. And so began the journey of Rare on the GBA, which, like I just said, it's home to what I would argue are some of their finest or or at the very least most charming games ever like these seven games well six because i'm not going to count banjo pilot um those six games i think um either they they brought new fans in like with the gba remakes or they were just like some of the warmest most quintessential slices of rare you could imagine in the form of Grunny Revenge, Saberwolf, and it's Mr. Pants. Yeah, I, I, I think p- 
part of what makes me value those Game Boy Advance games so much is like the the rare console games felt very uh, pristine, very uh, high class, very well done. And the not that the portable ones weren't, but they felt a lot more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Homemade, maybe. Like I think we discussed it in Saber Wolf how it just feels like a real, a, a real personal project, a personal passion project from Rare. Um, and I, I kind of get that feeling from all of the GBA games, including these Donkey Kong countries. They might not look like the best games Rare's ever put out, but there's just so much, uh, love, care, and charm put into them. They're the deep tracks, right? Like, they're, they're not maybe like the top 40 chart topping singles of Rare. Right. But they are the underappreciated album tracks that the hardcore fans gravitate to. In a way that I think can't be appreciated unless you're in deep. Yeah. Uh, but the, but the GBA remake trilogy, they definitely moved the needle, which, which we'll discuss. I know, like, from a contemporary perspective, that might not be acknowledged as much, but they definitely did matter back when they came out. And this was also the final... Donkey Kong game to use the classic Rareware logo uh, before their rebranding later that year with Grab by the Ghoulies when, when they adopted the buyout era just Rare logo when they stripped off the the blue the, like the shield and it just became the R. Uh, yeah, this was the last Donkey Kong game to utilize and when Donkey Kong Country 2 for the Game Boy Advance would come out the next year it would have that buyout era logo so end of an era. Yeah, kind of bookends with uh, the original Donkey Kong Country. Uh, starts, Rare's uh, Donkey Kong era begins with that logo in, in the first game, and it also ends with the first game. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, Grunty's Revenge still used the Rare Rare logo um, when, it, when it came out. Um, oh, yeah. I, I guess, never mind. It's not a bookend at all. It's a bookend for Donkey Kong, but... I, and you can make right. the case, you can make the argument that Killer Instinct... The arcade version was kind of a con- you know contemporary companion of Donkey Kong Country. So you know whether or not Donkey Kong Country was the first to utilize it, it's iffy depending on. And anyway, but yeah, it's um, it, it's still um, it's still weird to see that Rareware logo um, on the GBA. You know, with both this and Grunny's Revenge. So yeah. Um, so let's discuss a little bit because. If you have been paying attention, and if you paid attention to me at all last several years, whenever I bring this up, either here on The Conversation or on DKVine.com or on our social media channels, you know that I'm very careful when I use phraseology referring to this game. A lot of people refer to this as a port of Donkey Kong Country. And in fact, that's what we referred to back in 2003, uh, a port It's not a port of Donkey Kong Country. It is legitimately remade from the ground up. Like, a port would be if you were emulating the original Donkey Kong Country, right? If you're just bringing it over, porting it over to, say, the Super Nintendo Mini, the SNES Classic, or on the... um, 
the virtual console, you know, Nintendo Switch Online, you know, that is a port of Donkey Kong Country. It's an emulated version of the original game just brought over. This is a remake. It It is not the original game, like, shrunk down, washed out, made grainier. They had to remake it from scratch. So, when when I was compiling my show notes, I was like, where did this first come up? The, this story of how they crafted the GBA games. And I, and I went digging and I realized, oh, wait, it first came up from us. We were the ones who first reported <laughs> this like a decade ago. And I just forgot that we were the one, like Donkey Kong journalism, we do it. <laughs> you know, we're, we, we, we've actually br- broken things in the past, uh, and in the present. But yeah, we, we, uh, we interviewed an anonymous rare staffer. I know which rare staffer it is. I can't say because this was still back during a time when, like, especially like social media was still in its relative infancy and people didn't really have a direct handle to uh, like the old devs from Rare. And you could just, you know, ask them a question on social media and they say, Oh yeah, this is what we did. So they came to us anonymously and they were like, yeah, don't say our name, but here, here's the story behind this. Here's the story behind that. And, you know, we, we've never like, Asked them if we could publicly out them, but at the time they were very worried that you know Rare or rather Microsoft would retaliate for like sharing industry secrets, and, and so um, you know mm. nowadays, nowadays you could just ask like Paul Makachek on Twitter, hey hey Paul, what's the story behind uh, it's Mr. Pants, and you get <laughs> like a twenty tweet thread of every little detail you could ever imagine but back back yeah then, can can you give us like all the details on stop and swap please if yeah, you're not yeah. busy and and here here's the facts from nintendo where they angrily told us to cut the feature and you're like oh my god <laughs> oh my god like right click save as yeah <laughs> so yeah, the kind of thing you just never get back then yeah so this was still like when talking to actual rare staffers outside of the confines of Lee Loveday's kingdom was just unthinkable. So, yeah, we, we we asked them about the making of the GBA games, and this is what they said. And I quote: "This this is actually a quote. We 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 attributed this, by the way, to Tim Stamper. So it wasn't Tim Stamper who came to us and like shared all these details. That was just our clever workaround to hide their identity by blaming." their former boss. <laughs> uh, we did all the coding from scratch, hence taking three iterations to get the feel right, referring to the three Donkey Kong Country games they made for the Game Boy Advance. It was really difficult to match the physics accurately and still keep all the tricks that you could slash couldn't do in the game. There'd be times when QA reports would come back saying something like, in the original, you could do a rolling jump off the edge of this ledge and reach that ledge, but you can on the GBA one, so we'd adjust it until it worked, then get a bunch of reports saying, you can reach this area by rolling and jumping, and you're not supposed to. (laughs) They also would go on to say, the art was lots of fun and games. Let's just say it couldn't have been done without emulators. The art is set with SNES emulators, stepping through the game one frame at a time 
with various sprite background layers toggled and taking screenshots. Most of the backgrounds were redone from scratch to look as best as possible in the color palette and scale slash resolution of the GBA screen. And it's important for me to point out that when the first game came out, the Game Boy Advance SP was not out yet. It was just the original GBA. It was developed with the original GBA in mind, which the original GBA, as Cameron and I discussed when we did our Super Circuit Spotlight just a couple of weeks back, did not have a backlight. So you really had to be mindful of resolution um, and and making sure everything was visible because as we all know from experience with the Donkey Kong Land games having heavily detailed backgrounds in a Donkey Kong game as per the tradition of the Super Nintendo versions aren't necessarily the best on a handheld when visibility is limited so right you know we 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 mock this game or or give it shit even for its washed out backgrounds that completely nerf the beautiful and sometimes somber mood and atmosphere of the original game. But in, in the case of just the backgrounds, they felt like they had no choice. And, and as, uh, Tim Stamper here says, you know, it, it took them until the third Donkey Kong Country game to really find that balance. And they they didn't really have it with this first one. By the time DKC3 came out two years later for the GBA, they really did find a way to preserve most of the visual fidelity of the original game without, you know, making it um, an eyesore one way or another. It, it's very interesting. It says it took them three iterations to get the feel of the game right. Uh I was just uh, playing this first one earlier today just to kind of refresh my memory a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it feels pretty accurate to me. I, I was thinking to myself, oh, this feels like the Super Nintendo game to me it uh, do- a it, lot more than the Game Boy yeah, Color one does. It, it doesn't feel like Donkey Kong Land 4 like the Game Boy yeah. Color one did. This does feel like Donkey Kong Country proper. Um, and I love the Game yeah. Boy Color one for feeling like Donkey Kong Land 4, because I'm a Donkey Kong Land stan, you know? I, I, I'm I ride or die with Donkey Kong Land. I don't care what anybody says, but I do <laughs> understand, especially from a, a modern perspective. If you never grew up with the really janky handheld games of the original Game Boy, you know, going back to that now, yeah, yeah, I, I get it, but, you know... Back then, it was to be expected, and I thought Duncan Land handled it deftly, but this does not feel like that. This feels like the Super Nintendo one, essentially, right? And having the yeah. having this, the screen real estate that the original GB didn't have certainly helps. Yeah, and and I I do think the backgrounds suffer in this version, but like on their own, I think they're still pretty good looking. Uh it's just you have that comparison to the original game, yeah. so they're just not going to look as good. But for what they are on a Game Boy Advance, I think they still look pretty good. So uh, Tim Stamper also said, I remember uh, we put a lot of extra detail into smoothing out the character animations, 
finding frames from other moves he could put in between certain animation sequences to get rid of jerking slash snapping. A lot of it you wouldn't notice until you're looking out for it, though. So, Ooh, interesting. Yeah, this was just Donkey Kong Country remade. Like, they actually took emulated versions of Donkey Kong Country and, and, and rebuilt it from the ground up because a lot of the files they had were either like they they couldn't find them all they were damaged and and it it was just made more sense to recreate everything from the ground up and that's why a lot of the stuff in this game was just remade entirely like not even taken from the emulated version they just rebuilt it and and of course this would go on as, as the GBA trilogy would continue until we got to the third one and they just redid the soundtrack entirely with David Wise stepping in for uh, Evelyn Novakovic. So, I mean, th- th- this would get a lot more confident, a lot more comprehensive in what they would change, like eventually adding new bosses, an entirely new world. Um, this version, compared to the sequels, I think is a lot more faithful to the original that then yeah. then the others would be like the others would kind of feel a lot more emboldened this one they they mostly stayed true to the original game they did change some things here or there and and add some new features but it wasn't all in like DKC3 GBA would be right um are I I know they add like the the time trial in the photo album. Uh, was that about it for this? It is pretty. Oh well, there's also mini games and stuff we'll get to later. Yeah, no, there were there were new modes, there were mini games, and they also so still some changes. Oh yeah, and they also heavily tweaked most of the boss fights, um, yeah. w- which we'll get into. But um, yeah, th- this um. Like, on the surface, this is much more close to the original than the sequels. But when you dig a little deeper, you'll see, oh no, they actually did try to, in some cases, make Donkey Kong Country a better game than it was in 1994. And in some cases, they did succeed. In some cases, especially where it was out of their control, like atmosphere, like mood, like like just the the vibe... They they really couldn't pull it off, and they went for something different. And, yeah, and I, I think the big one that comes to mind first is uh, it's no longer night in uh, the second level. Yeah, yeah, they they especially this one they really couldn't replicate, or they didn't feel confident enough to replicate a lot of the more uh, gloomy or or dimly lit levels. Yeah. Um. Really quick, I do want to give a shout out. To the specific creative lot behind this game. The, um, the, the credits to the GBA game in particular and everybody at Rare at the time. So the lead programmer was Trevor Atwood. The programmers beneath him were James Simmons, Rob Ware... Which always confused me in the credits, because in the credits, Rob Ware was listed as R. Ware. Which was, <laughs> you thought, oh yeah, Rareware. 
Yeah, why why are you crediting yourself? Yeah, of course. Did rare, this rare. game make itself? Yeah, of course. Rare Rare programmed this game. Shut up. <laughs> this is before you know we really separated the Rare Rare branding with Rare the studio, but right. The graphics are credited to Chris Peel for level graphics, Carrie Wood for sprites, uh, Ryan Furchow uh, with world maps, which we will get into. Uh, game design is Gary Richards, who is a household name if you love Rare's handheld games. Gary Richards conquers pocket tales. Need I say more? <laughs> <laughs> that says it all right there. Gary Richards also worked on Ukulele and Impossible Layers. So Gary Richards is still impacting us to this day. Uh, additional design, Gareth Jones. Music composition is credited to Robin Beanland and Jamie Hughes. Like, uh, they, they, they took a lot of the music, uh, that were composed by David Wise and Evelyn Novakovic and, in Funky's case, Robin Beanland and, uh, redid it for the handle. That was kind of like what Robin did a lot during this era was, um, like work on handheld games like this. Sound effects are credited to Evelyn Novakovic. Vocals, because there's a lot more vocals in this game than the original. Uh, <laughs> ben Cullum, Grant Kirkhope, and Chris Sutherland. And obviously Grant Kirkhope and Chris Sutherland, Donkey and Diddy. Favorite Donkey Kong voice to this day. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Grant, Grant Kirkhope was used quite a bit for Donkey Kong, even in this post-buyout era. I think it wasn't until the middle of the decade that they really started phasing him out. But they used... Grant Kirkhope, even for the uh, Western release of Mario vs. Donkey Kong, it's Grant Kirkhope's Donkey Kong fighting Mario over those toys in that game. <laughs> and the manual is credited to Lee Loveday and Sue Overton. And for more on them, listen to the Rareware episode that Cameron and I did a little while I did, back. I did. Yeah. So... I also want to discuss the promotion for this game. Not as much as I would get into for, like, a, a big console release for Donkey Kong Country. Because, you know, in, in those spotlight episodes, I we break those up into multiple parts. And the whole far, first part of that is just pre-release. Not going to waste our time like this on this one. But this was surprising, Dustin, the promotion that went into this game. Because Nintendo surprisingly went all out. With the marketing for this Game Boy Advance version. Because it's a remake of what was then a nine-year-old Super Nintendo game. Developed by a studio that was now owned by the competition. But they they really like treated this like it was a new experience. It got TV commercials. It got print ads. It even got this massive 3D billboard in uh, Toronto's uh, Yonge Dundas Square. And it's just this uh, inflatable billboard of Donkey Kong hanging on a rope. Um, it, it's, it's a Donkey Kong 64 render that they've actually made into an inflatable billboard. And, and it's just him with his uh, like eye, uh, hand over his eyes, shielding the sun, looking out on the horizon. It's Donkey Kong Country. New for Game Boy Advance. And that was actually made by Soft Signs 3D, which um, they they still got it on their website as, yeah, we did this. 
So <laughs> we did this, Donkey Kong. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, it, it got promotional display items in various stores, like shelf talkers and uh, signs, and like Nintendo. This is how much they wanted this game to succeed. They even commissioned developer Skyworks Technologies to develop a Shockwave Donkey Kong game for the CandyStand.com website, which was very popular, like, before mobile games really took off, before, like, your parents would play Facebook games. Like, this is what people wasted their time on online, (laughs) a free game experience that you could, you know, pull up in, in your school's computer lab or wherever, uh, CandyStand.com was the place in the early aughts. And this game was called Donkey Kong Country Barrel Maze. And even though it was developed to tie into this game, this GBA remake, it was this full original game in its own right. Even got an ESRB rating. Like, it was actually a legitimate game. And, however, like, weirdly enough, this wouldn't arrive until much later in 2003, um, and, and maybe it was like, t- it came out actually right at the time of the Japanese release. So maybe that has something to do with it, but we will actually cover Barrel Maze in full later this season on the conversation. We'll give Ooh. Barrel Maze its full spotlight that it deserves, but yeah, you, teaser. Uh, you could play it on candystand.com and also dkvine.com because we did archive it. So if you, have access to Shockwave or, or some, some way to still utilize it, you can download this dkmind.com. And why would you ever not? It, it's actually, well, it's, a, it's not a great game, but it's an interesting game all the same. <laughs> and like, this, this is how big this game was, Dustin. It not only inspired a new generation of Donkey Kong Country fans. It gave us an entirely new Donkey Kong game on the side. Yeah. You made a game to promote a game. Right. Like, that's Inception levels of marketing right there. Dustin, this game... this This game, this remake of Donkey Kong Country, it's important in particular to you. That's right. It so is, Heil. Would you like me to regale you with my story? When were you first exposed to DKC GBA? So when I was a wee tyke, I didn't have a Super Nintendo. I couldn't play the Donkey Kong Country games. The way I played them was uh, with an emulator and ROMs on my parents' computer, which I definitely don't condone. But, um, you know, when you're a kid, you really only have a limited amount of time to be on the computer, so... I, I still didn't get to play it that much, but once they announced this, this Game Boy Advance version, that's all I needed. I, I bought it, and that was the version of DKC that I played for a long time. I have memories of playing it and, like, bringing my Game Boy Advance to junior high and playing it. Uh, I, I, I would play it, like, at night before bed, like, a lot I I played the hell out of this game. I remember going on camping trips and doing, like, the time trials in this game. Uh, Yeah, before the Wii Virtual Console came out and I could just play the Super Nintendo versions, this was my version of Donkey Kong Country. 
And yeah, it's not as good as the Super Nintendo version, but I feel like it still gets the job done pretty well overall. Yeah, like back before we would just have Nintendo Switches and Steam Decks in the palm of our hand. Like, like handheld gaming, you expected a little bit less. Less fidelity, less impact visually, but right. it was still an incredible experience to have it in the palm of your hand and, and to take it wherever you wanted to go. You could take Donkey Kong Country wherever you go. And, of course, I was a little bit more cynical because this was the height of my cynicism, 2003, but... I was still very enthusiastic about this game because this was also right around the time that being a Donkey Kong Country fan, you felt on the defensive, right? So you wanted to support Donkey Kong Country however you could. And especially this was rare. It was Donkey Kong. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get all behind this game. But, you know, from my perspective, I was already a young adult at the time. This was a lot of kids first introduction at DKC. Nine years separated this and the Super Nintendo original. That is at a lifetime. Like, we talk about how Donkey Kong 64 is a lot of people's, of a certain age's, main Donkey Kong game. And you're like, well, how could that be when Donkey Kong Country came out five years before? Well, it's because Donkey Kong Country came out five years before. And when you're a kid, five years is eternity. When you're a kid, five years might mean the difference between playing a game and not even being born yet so yeah that's like a that could be half your life right so of course like time matters when it comes to this sort of stuff and what dkc gba did was it introduced like uh younger millennials those who were of a certain age past the dawn of the new millennium it gave them an in, right? That that they might not have had back in the height of Donkey Kong Country Mania back in the 90s. Yeah. So hugely influential to a lot of people in our community. A lot of people on our staff nowadays. And um, that that is why you're here, Dustin. And I was like, yeah, oh. D- D- Dustin had a formative experience with this game. So that's, it's true. It, it, it really is something that, uh, I didn't really even think about that much until, uh, you asked me to be on this episode. C- Cause it really was just kind of a, like a placeholder for me. I was like, Oh yeah, the game boy advance version. I grew up playing that. But once the Wii virtual console came out, it was out of here. Why would I ever play the game boy advance version when I have the real one? But no, looking back on it, I had a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I booted it up again today for the first time in, like, probably a decade, um, if, if not more. And no, it's it's just a pretty well-done version of it. Uh, I still think I'd rather play the original over it, but uh, it definitely has a lot of love put into it. Recognizable talent. Right. And it did change quite a bit like there is content in there that you will not find in the super nintendo version right or the game boy color version just like there's content in the game boy color version you will not find in this version or the super nintendo version each version has their own tale to tell and 
not to confuse people with your other podcast, Dustin. <laughs> Thank you. I almost got confused. One of the things this game does, it has an actual um, in-game story. Like, you know, in Donkey Kong Country, in the original Super Nintendo trilogy, the story was told in nothing but the instruction manual. You know, it was a dark and stormy night. Here, we actually see it was a dark and stormy night portrayed with the in-game models of the characters. Like, it's acted out for us. We actually see it canonically in a game for the very first time. And right, they, they, and, and it, it was a dark and stormy night, you know, as far as the Game Boy Advance could portray anyway. Right, like, we, we don't really see the, the dark and stormy <laughs> night, so... It was a bright and stormy middle of the afternoon. Well, I, presumably it was dark and stormy in the Banana Horde cave when, when, right. when we see that part. So <laughs> That's so true. Basically, what, what we see is, uh, it starts with Donkey and Diddy in Donkey Kong's treehouse, right? And, and Donkey says, mm-hmm. uh, are we going to act this out, Dustin? I think we should. I Give our audience a little show. After doing that Return to Crocodile Isle interview, now I have Richard Yearwood in my head as Donkey Kong. Now I have the cartoon voices lodged in my head dustin and that's a problem for me <laughs> um i could i could do it i i do it to myself every now and then why don't you why don't you do donkey kong i will okay. vo- i will voice diddy and cranky <laughs> i can't wait i'd love to, okay oh, and you can uh, do you can do the kremlins too how about that oh thank you so it starts with donkey and diddy in donkey kong's treehouse okay <clears throat> Okay, little buddy, as part of your hero training, you've got to stand guard tonight over my bonnet. Oh, you know what, Hyle, I can't do that. Oh, my fur. <laughs> it that, was pretty good. That, it, was, it was pretty good. Thanks, yeah, it, it sounded pretty good, but about, like, <laughs> two seconds in, I could feel it in the back of my throat and just thought to myself, oh, this is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got to stand guard tonight over my bananas. I'm giving it another try. Okay. I'll relieve you at midnight, so try and stay awake till then. So then it, it, it cuts to the banana horde cave, still full of bananas, mind you, and Diddy's in there. This is presumably when it's dark and stormy outside. Uh, I'm not going to do the cartoon Diddy voice. I'm going to do some <laughs> sort of like approximation of Chris Sutherland with my own stylings. Um who, who goes there? Says Diddy. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, and then uh, and then we cut to uh, just a dark screen. Whenever there's off-screen dialogue, it's portrayed with just a black screen. That's an interesting way to do it. <laughs> yeah, and this is the it's premise. The s- it's the small one. Seal him inside this barrel and toss it into the bushes. So this this is the uh, first canonical depiction of the very first time a Kong was sealed in a DK barrel. Donkey Kong's bananas are ours. <laughs> so then there's this there's this great bit where two ropes lower in the banana horde cave, and I'm like, wait, isn't Donkey Kong's treehouse above the banana horde cave? Why are Kremlins dropping ropes to lower themselves? Like, where are they lowering themselves into? Are they, like, the only thing I can think of, Dustin, is they were, like, spelunking from somewhere else in the cavern system, and they were, like, crawling on the stalactites. And, and, and then they were, like, <laughs> right when they were in position, they lo- dropped the ropes and, and 
drop down. There's two purple critters dropping down these ropes. But of course, like, were this DKC2, they would just have the clingers from Donkey Kong Country 2, like, slide down. But they have no animation reference from the, the emulated character sprites of critters sliding down ropes. So they just have the critters fall. Like the, the, <laughs> the, the ropes drop and then the critters just fall. And we're just supposed, our brains are just supposed to read it as they're sliding down the ropes. And it, it works. <laughs> it works in motion at the very least. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a couple of Kremlin, uh, dropping ropes together. So did he actually, uh, like, He's not completely hopeless here. He takes out the two critters. And uh, what happens... He's capable. Yeah, but then what happens is a Crusher walks through the front door and Diddy goes to roll into the Crusher. And of course, Diddy can't take out a Crusher. And so Diddy gets uh, taken out. And that's the canonical first instance of a Kong being whisked away in a DK Pearl, which was kind of cool, right? Like they actually use something in game to to depict it like diddy would get taken out by a crusher so that's what takes diddy out and in the original super nintendo instruction manual um it, it's described as a clump taking out diddy but diddy can take out a clump so i do like that they changed it um for our first canonical like in game depiction of it at least like obviously instruction manuals they're they're canon until they're contradicted by in-game events so i like that they said no it makes more sense if a crusher takes him out yeah it's awesome i I like uh taking just a gameplay mechanic you probably wouldn't think twice about and making it a part of the narrative yeah yeah and and um i like too that like because the instruction manual always described it as they seal them inside the barrel right like they they go through the effort of like putting the lid on or whatever but it's more instantaneous in the games and dk vines always ascribed that to like this curse that the kremlins put on the kongs like every time they would take a hit they get magically transported away to a a barrel and and so i like that that puts that on the table like well yeah he got hit by a crusher so when they say seal him inside the barrel they mean seal with magic So so it makes every other instance of either Diddy or Donkey or later Dixie and Kitty and even later than that with the uh, the Tiki Tech tribe and the Snowmads um and a Dixie and Cranky or you know um it makes every instance of that like coincide with this so this isn't an outlier this is just more of the same what whatever right. however they get sealed in the DK barrels this is where it started and it's consistent all right, I, I'm cranky. All right, so um, then then we cut to an off-screen dialogue screen, black screen, and uh, DK, DK, wake up! <laughs> Boy, that what a choice for cranky, Fred Armisen. I, I like am not. that. Yeah. Oh man. So that, I, then, I don't know how I can one up that one. So then cranky walks into Donkey Kong's treehouse, and it's the next morning. What you do that for? I was having a nice nap. Which, okay. Well, one question, Dustin. This Go happened, ahead. This happened over the night. Donkey Kong says, I will relieve you at midnight. Right. Who refers to their night sleep as a nice nap? 
That, that is, I guess it could be a nap if he if he was going to wake back up again at midnight to relieve Diddy. And yeah, he just slept through till dawn. But yeah. that that's not a nap. You overslept dramatically. You overslept <laughs> by at least six hours. Like <laughs> that's more than a nap. That's do you have a condition? <laughs> His condition is being a lazy ass. Yeah. All right. Well, Cranky says. Uh, Take a look inside your banana cave. You're in for a big surprise. I don't know what I'm doing with my crank. My crank is usually much more consistent than that. And <laughs> he sounds like a real wiener. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a nerd from an 80s high school movie. I, I don't know. <laughs> my pocket protector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it by the bell extra. <laughs> Who doesn't even get a name? So now they're they're in a banana horde cave. Cranky is showing Donkey what his sloth has has wrought. <laughs> my bananas and my little buddy Diddy, they're they are gone. The Kremlings will pay. All right, real quick, you added little to buddy, but he doesn't say that. He says That's right, he just calls him his buddy. I was in I was so in Donkey Kong cartoon mode. Well, and little buddy is from the games. Like that that is something that was carried over from the games. But he says Yeah, even in this one, like at the beginning he calls yeah. him little buddy. Yeah. Um but he says, My bananas and my buddy Diddy, they are gone. So you can see what's more important to Donkey. He says, first, my bananas and my buddy Diddy. They are gone. <laughs> oh yeah, and Diddy's and Diddy is gone as well, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'll hunt them down through every corner of my island until I have every last banana from my horde back. And your buddy, Donkey. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, granted, like, Diddy's just, like, five feet away in a barrel. But at the time... Yeah, but he doesn't know that right he now. He doesn't know that. So why isn't he more concerned that a child... That he was responsible for, that was under his watch, has been abducted, perhaps murdered, <laughs> by, by this, like, antagonistic force from the neighboring island. He doesn't seem concerned by it. No, uh, his priorities uh a little askew. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he can hear, maybe, like, he heard from a distance Diddy crying in the barrel, and so he was like, oh, I, I'll just go get him. But he didn't. Yeah, he's fine. Don't worry about it. Because he's still so angry about his bananas. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I do like seeing this play out. Like, I I think it's even more effective in DKC2 GBA where we see Donkey Kong's abduction play out because that's really cool to see. But this is still like, this plays out pretty much exactly like I always pictured it. Like, they do a great job of faithfully recreating, except for that crush a bit. Faithfully recreating the way we read it back in 1994. So I'm happy with this. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it it makes me a little sad that you don't get that in the Super Nintendo version. This is just like a a, a straight up improvement. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it, it, it is kind of this game's and this whole trilogy's Achilles heel. Because, well, this is really cool. And it's really cool that they do it in, in the... Um, the sequel to for the intro they don't do it for dkc3 but it's a little bit harder to do it that way because that that game's plot is a little bit more nebulous and uh all over the place and you can't really use it like recreate it using game ass assets that aren't already um done in the super nintendo version but 
the, the problem is they also get this chatty at times where the game shouldn't be this chatty. And it kind of tramples over the mood at various points. Not so much this one, but definitely with the sequel. There, there's points where characters should just shut up and let it play out. <laughs> and they can't shut up. And they're like, rah, 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 and they just completely torpedo the vibe the 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 mood of the original which um that, that that'll be worth discussing at a later point in this episode because yeah the the tone of donkey kong in 2003 is definitely different than the tone of donkey kong in 1994 and 1995 right yeah so um aside from having these like cut scenes as they were we also get a lot more deeper looks at d- different parts of Donkey Kong Country that we didn't see in the Super Nintendo or Game Boy Color versions. And that includes interiors. So I like that the team didn't just rest on their laurels and say, okay, well, we got to recreate Cranky's Cabin, so let's just recreate it, you know, y- using the emulator. They're like, what if we give the fans a treat? What if we show them the inside of Cranky's Cabin this time around? What if we show them the inside of Funky's Flights this time around? And so it's really cool. So for the first and only time, we see the interior of Cranky's Cabin. Of course, we would see the interior of the Monkey Museum. Of course, we see the interior of Cranky's Shop and Donkey Kong Country Returns. And both the Monkey Museum and Cranky's uh, Shop, they have the same exterior as Cranky's Cabin, but... As far as what's labeled, defined as Cranky's Cabin, this is the only time we see the inside of Cranky's Cabin. And and this is, like, plausibly where Donkey Kong grew up. This this is where he was raised. This is where Cranky and Wrinkly reside. And we get to see the living room at the very least. I assume they have uh, other rooms. I mean, it, it's basically barrel shaped on the inside so i don't know where they would have room for other rooms but we're just i was gonna say i think this might be it no i like to pretend they at least have a bathroom and a bedroom and a kitchen because this would be a pretty (laughs) depressing life this is like a fishing shack if this is it like like one of those ice fishing shacks you see on tv when characters go ice fishing on the lake and then inevitably Uh like their keys fall in the in the the hole in the uh, ice or one of them falls into the hole and then they like get hypothermia i'm i'm like drawing from like family matters and fraser those are the two ice fishing episodes i remember but yeah cranky's cabin dustin this is really cool not just for actually seeing where donkey kong and maybe swanky kong for moral nazi late earlier this season where they possibly grew up but also this is chock full of references to the broader Donkey Kong universe. This is amazing. This is catnip for DK Vine, Dustin. There are so many references in here. It's great. It it's crazy. It it's there's even stuff in here that I hadn't even noticed before, besides seeing it right now. So I have to admit. There's stuff in here I didn't notice until I was compiling my notes for this episode and I pulled up screenshots on an emulator and because I can't play this, you know, I, I, I can't pull, just pull this up on Nintendo Switch Online yet. Um, but right. I, I, I was, um, fussing around. I was like, wait a second. 
There's another reference in here I never notice because usually it's obscured by Cranky's dialogue. But when you're walking in, you see it. So, first of all, um, Mumbo Jumbo's original half mask, the mask he wears in Banjo-Kazooie the first, it's just sitting on a barrel in, in the foreground <laughs> of Cranky's cabin. He just took it. And you, and you can see, like, it's um it's the half mask. Like, in Banjo-Tooie, Mumbo gets the full skull, almost like helmet that he wears. And that's, right. what he, that's what he has in every other game, including Granny's Revenge, which takes place in the past. Uh, but they, they put the half mask in here, even though Granny's Revenge is a game they're working on at the same time. And this implies, Dustin, that Cranky and Mumbo have met prior to November 1994, to the point where Cranky just has one of his masks. Like, like, oh, Mumbo just <laughs> gave Cranky one of his masks. Like, here you go, my friend. A memento to remember <laughs> me by. I have plenty more at home. Which, I want to know more about that story, Dustin. Like, we, we, we know, like, <laughs> Banjo and Conker befriended Diddy Kong and or Donkey Kong. Like, we, we know that Diddy and Timber have this long history between each other but cranky and mumbo have some sort of history and of course you know it's not surprising given that cranky is you know in the mario movie he's the king of the jungle kingdom but in the games it's always portrayed as he's the village chieftain or he's the jungle hero originally of donkey kong island the proprietor of the island so it makes sense that um he would have connections throughout the entire rare archipelago, but just to see it so bluntly there, so plainly, Cranky knows Mumbo. Holy shit. What a, what a team up for the ages. I, I, I want to see that adventure. I mean, we never will, maybe. I mean, I never <laughs> say never, right? Never say never. Because I never oh, thought, of course. I never thought we would see Donkey Diddy and K. Roll interacting with Banjo Kazooie, um, but, Lo and behold, we got that in 2019. So never say never in, in this day and age. But that's not the only DKU property reference. And this is this is where Freezer's ears are perking up. This is where we get a reference to a game that wouldn't even come out until one year after this game. And of course, I'm referring to Saber Wolf for the Game Boy Advance. So, talking about the reference I didn't realize, Saberman's hat is just chilling on another barrel behind Cranky, and usually it's obscured by Cranky's ranting. But if when you walk in, before Cranky starts talking, you can see it, just plain as day, on the barrel. It's right there. He must have taken it. Well... When when Saberman's back was turned... Or maybe it's because Saberman was still frozen at this time, and this was just a spare hat he got. <laughs> because this isn't the only reference to Saberwolf in here. There are two other references. There is a portrait hanging above the television, and it's the cast of Saberwolf just hanging in a framed portrait, which... By the way, uh, a lot of online references state that this is the cast of Grab by the Ghoulies. And 
I no, th- no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Wrong cast. Wrong cast. I think it's because for as obscure and um, disregarded as Grab by the Ghoulies can be, Saber Wolf GBA is even more so. So you see this, like, you can't make out what this is on the GBA, right? You, you, you don't know right. what you're looking at. So most people see this. Oh, it's a cast of a rare game. It's 2003. This is Grab by the Ghoulies. I don't know what this is. This must be Grab by the Ghoulies. It, it, I, I actually, um, figured this out earlier, um, year or two ago and I compared it to Saber Wolf promotional images and I finally found the image. It is. It actually is. And sure enough, you can make out exactly what everything's supposed to be. And I think it was Yeah, I can see the mayor, I can see Saberwolf, I can see our favorite guy bloater. I think it was Did You Know Gaming. Not an episode that Malik worked on, but it's Did You Know Gaming that said it was Grab of the Ghoulies, and I I quickly like tried to like get in contact with them. It's like, no, 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 no. It's 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 Saberwolf, but I don't think they ever responded. Listen to me, I know I'm not I know I sound crazy, but it's yeah. Saberwolf. Did you know, did you know gaming that it's the Saberwolf cast? <laughs> oh, Turnabout is so fair play. Um, but right next to that portrait on its left is the Saber Wolf's decapitated head mounted on the <laughs> wall, taxidermied. However, it is blinking. So, you know, obviously the Saber Wolf is this uh, mythical, legendary jungle beast. Immortal. You can't kill the Saber Wolf. You can only imprison it with the Saber Wolf amulet. So right. any any attempt to kill it might temporarily stop him, but he will regenerate his body. So um, it, the fact that it's already blinking, he's already blinking, implies he has regained uh, sentience and is slowly reforming his body. So w- two things, Dustin. The, the, one... You know, we, we mentioned when we did our Saberwolf uh, tribunal last season, and we, we declared Saberwolf GBA is DKU because um, th- through the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Hawkeye, Kingpin, Daredevil logic uh, of you, you can take a pre-existing character and filter it through your shared universe and put your own stamp on it. Anyway... So the very first appearance of Saberman as a DKU filtered character is in Banjo-Tooie, right? Right. The very first appearance of the Saberwolf as a DKU filtered character, Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance. (laughs) Because this predates Saberwolf GBA by a year. Now, that's true. This puts the Saberwolf's whereabouts in November 1994 in Cranky's Cabin. Which means that Cranky hunted him at some point. Possibly some grand adventure in his glory days. You know, when he was the video game hero, he he went on this adventure in the Rare Archipelago, hunted the Saber Wolf, wrestled it to the ground, ripped off his head, and mounted <laughs> it to his wall. Um, Jesus. I know, right? Like, holy shit. It really does give you some sort of insight into what Cranky did beyond just kidnapping Pauline back in the day. Like, Cranky has actually seen some kick-ass adventures 
He's he's pretty hardcore. Uh, now we do know that the Saber Wolf reformed and continued to roam the Rare Archipelago after this, sometime between 1994 and 2003, because we know in by 2003 he had been hunted by another DKU character, Baron von Gul, because Baron von Gul would then make his skin into a rug and displayed him in Ghoulhaven Hall's sitting room, as seen in Grab by the Ghoulies. Man, Saberwolf sure dies a lot. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You can't kill the Saberwolf. You can only imprison him, which Saberman knew. But Saberman yeah. was frozen at this time. That's right. So there's multiple people who thought you could kill the Saberwolf. Right. And and when Saberman is thawed in the year 2000 by Banjo-Kazooie, Mumbo-Jumbo, you know, the team effort there, um, Saberman, you know, probably then went out and sought, like, search for the Saberwolf. They probably had some sort of grand conflict once Saberwolf regained his form and left Ghoulhaven Hall. Anyway, um, you know, it, it's only fitting, in my opinion, it's only fitting that Cranky Kong's house is this treasure trove cove of broader DKU references because Cranky is usually associated with Donkey Kong Arcade and and sort of like the pre-rare era of Donkey Kong. But as the village chieftain of Donkey Kong Island, as somebody who was a key figure in the Rare Archipelago, it, it, it makes sense that he would also have had contact with all of these characters from the broader rare side of the DKU and I like that you know as we already mentioned you know Diddy has had all of these relationships that that like pulls in characters like Banjo and Conker but Cranky would have had that with characters who are decades older than that who had been around in the prehistory of like the ultimate play the game era like like Saberwolf and also characters who have just been around for decades, like Mumbo Jumbo. And we know from Grunny's Revenge later that year that Mumbo Jumbo had been around since 1978. So, of course, he had been around in Cranky's Prime. Of course. Of course. I, anyway, I just think this is the coolest shit, Dustin. This, this is, no, I agree. Yeah, and, and this is the stuff like people don't know about. And when, so when they hear me talking about the DKU, they think I'm the crazy one, but I'm not the crazy <laughs> one. They're just ignorant because they don't know about the interior of Cranky's Cap, and they don't know about the bounty of references in there that tie everything together. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Yeah, they're they're crazy for not knowing that's the Saber Wolf cast in <laughs> on that portrait. They're not crazy because I'm telling them and they now know. They now know. And now they're Yeah, they white. should be thanking you, honestly. Now they will be spreading the gospel. They will be going from <laughs> mountaintop to mountaintop shouting about Cranky ripping off the head of the Saber Wolf, drinking his blood, and mounting it above his television. <laughs> they left that part out of the movie. right it's just because illumination didn't want to get the rights to saber wolf too costly right yeah it's in high demand now right anyway otherwise cranky's cabin is the exact same he just gives you (laughs) he just gives you bullshit advice now they did fix the thing where he only gives you advice for the first world like like he, he does give you all of his dialogue in here but it's the same thing. They they didn't add anything else to Cranky except a whole bunch of DKU references that I just spent 20 minutes discussing. 
Right, but them fixing that bug, that is another objectively better improvement in the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about Funky Kong. Ooh, I'd love to. Now, Funky Kong is kind of a half-half thing. They did keep the Funky Flights aspect to it. Um, it, it still operates as a Funky Flights, as an airport, like it did in the original. However, they, they kind of made it a little bit pointless. Because Donkey, yeah. Donkey and Diddy can now just call Funky from the map screen. And you don't actually have to visit Funky. So it, it's kind of... Eh. Yeah, why would you go there specifically for this when you can just do it from the menu at any point? Right, right, right. And I think DKC2 w- would give Funky a little bit more purpose in the Funky's Flights arena. But what right. what they did was... This is one area where they actually took a concept from the Game Boy Color version... And they fully fleshed it out here. So the Game Boy Color version had this mini game, this bonus mode called Funky Fishing. And so what they did in the GBA version is they rebranded Funky's Flights as Funky's Fishing and made that mini game part of the actual story mode. And um, what, what this actually had the benefit of doing also was loosely retconning Funky's backstory. So it's clear, because we now see the interior of of the Funky's Flights building, and we clearly see that he got his start renting fishing boats. Like, this wasn't just a side hustle in the Game Boy Color version. This is actually where Funky built his business, renting out fishing boats. And from there, he sort of turned it into... An airport, Funky's Flights. And we even see like this, uh, antique, um, like biplane hanging on the wall, like hanging from the ceiling. Um, it's not a barrel plane, but it's like what Funky used as the model for the barrel plane. Perhaps he retrieved this in Lost Mangroves as seen in Tropical Freeze. Like we, we don't know, but, um, it's clear like f- mostly like the interior is still all centered around fishing. Right. He, he's, you even see like his counter, um, where he would like ring people up. He's got a register and he's got like fishing rods everywhere. He's got, um, like the bones of, uh, like shark mouths, shark teeth, like hanging on the walls, fishing nets. He's got fish in aquariums that he uh, keeps his, because I think they're bite sizes. Um, right. But yeah, it, it's really cool to have this, like, how did Funky grow his business? He started off really humble, and then from there, he, he went into building airplanes, renting them out. He expanded that. He he made new vehicles, you know, motorboats, hovercraft, gyrocopters, and from there, he got into fruit-based weaponry, and he just became the go-to gadget man for the Kongs. But, um, yeah, th- this is where he got to start. And so, um, Funky's Fishing gives you a different fishing mission per world which uh which which is cool and it's it's funny because each fishing mission takes place off the coast of donkey kong island but they they theme it around each world so for example like gorilla glacier you've got like somehow a chunk of gorilla glacier has fallen off gorilla glacier and it's just like 
it's just like floating in in the ocean off the coast of Donkong Island and the creme croc one it's like Kremlin pollution off off the coast of Donkong Island <laughs> anyway it, it it's clever but um yeah yeah so so um I'll just really quick I'll I'll read you the missions and I'll read you Funky's dialogue for each one okay ooh looking forward to hearing this the Congo jungle um the mission is 20 red fish so funky says and this is my funky voice um right on man my first challenge is to catch 20 or more of those red fish within the time limit the more you catch the better the price one thing though don't hook anything but the red ones my favorite part about your uh funky kong impression is it sounds like he's kind of saying it in a in a whisper yeah. Like he's he's like, right on, man. But we're keeping it a, a little chill here right now. There's no need to get excited about this. He's just asking. It's just to catch fishing fish. for fun. Right. It, the stakes don't raise until later. Right. So, Monkey Mines, uh, the mission is Croctopus Call. All right. So, Funky says, this time I would like to catch 15 Croctopus within the time limit. Be careful not to hook any bottles, as these will reduce your time left. Not good, man. And I'm like, are, are <laughs> you, aren't you the one setting the time, though, Funk? Like, what What does it matter? Like, why, why is Yeah, it- maybe just give me unlimited time. Right. Jesus. All right. Vine Valley is Chump Chomps. So, <laughs> I like this one. He says, dude, these waters are full of sharks. Help me clear them <laughs> out and I'll give you more excellent things. Try to hook 10 within the time limit. One thing, though, don't hook anything but sharks. I, I like how he's like <laughs> stoner Steve Jobs. Like, one thing, though. <laughs> I'll like, give you most excellent things. Uh, Gorilla Glacier is squidgen time. Squidgen time. All right, and, and this is the one bit of funky dialogue that I cry foul with, probably during the entire Rare Era. So Funky says, right, mate, mate. Like, <laughs> that's weird. Un- like, it's a very English phraseology or, or you know, Australian, New Zealand, like mate, right? Like, and I just don't think that go that jives with Funky's. Sometimes, yeah, like, he would say he would say, "Dude, you're right." Like, like Funky is your stereotypical Californian surfer dude, or um, as portrayed in the cartoons, more of a Jamaican Caribbean kind of a, dude. Like, mate, M- mate is not a, a word he would use, probably. But I mean, yeah. whatever. He's also a worldly individual. He he might have uh, adopted that, and it might slip in from time to time. Who's to say? All right, right, mate. This time, you must catch as many squidges as you can within a time limit. I reckon 50 should be no problem. Get going. Like, also, that's very, like, authoritative for Funky. Like, yeah, it does, doesn't even say please. Like, uh, chop, chop. Crack that whip, Funky. <laughs> You're on the clock, DK. Don't come back until you got those squidges. So for Creme Croc Industries Incorporated, it's out with the trash. So Funky says, Bummer, this water is full of trash. Collect as much as possible within the time limit. The more trash collected, the better my reward. Hold in at least ten pieces of trash and remember, 
don't hook any fish. So now Funky is like, don't hook any fish. I'm an environmentalist. We're protecting the fish. Don't hook any. Just get the Yeah, these fish, these fish are... SOL that the water's already poisoned all around like, the factory, so like, j- we we can't eat these. Like earlier, he was like, "Get the croctopus, but don't get any bottles." And I'm like, "Well, maybe get the bottles because they're polluting." Yeah, get those out of here. But I, I, I guess Funky's just having fun making the rules. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be great. There's lots of bottles. I'll tell him not to get any bottles. <laughs> So finally, Chimp Cavern's mission is let's go a comboing, a combo in. Uh, says right, dude. This is a tricky one. This timer will start very low. You must try to catch more than one same colored fish at a time. The more on the hook, the greater the combo. Once you get a combo, you will gain more time. Fill the timer. To complete the challenge, Funky also spells combo with a K because Funky is, if nothing, always on brand. And I don't know how he's conveying that in dialogue, but he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, when you hear him say it, you just know, oh, he's saying that with a K. All I, right, I think it's like he's probably putting a. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, uh, the more on the hook, the greater the combo. <laughs> well, that's obviously a K. Thank you, Funky. So it's also worth pointing out that sometimes when you're doing Funky's fishing, a little crab will scurry across the ocean bed. A little crab. And if you catch that crab, Funky will reward you with a picture of Funky Kong, which you can put in your scrapbook, which is then automatically added to your scrapbook, I should say. So there's just a little crab and you can catch the crab and then you'll get a picture of Funky. It's awesome, but seeing your picture of it all blown up like this, it doesn't yeah. look like anything. I was struggling to, I, I was looking at, I was like, what is that? Is it like, I, I couldn't even begin to think what this was. Yeah, it looks like the skin tags on my dad. <laughs> you know what? That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Yeah. I was saying, that's a weird thing to have it, it in this does, game. It does look like the crab from off of Donkey Kong Land, the crabs that are just, like, chilling in Kremlantis, that are just part of the scenery of Kremlantis. Kind of reminds me of those crabs, which I guess you could make the case are the same crabs from Donkey Kong Country Returns, even though they don't really look like the same crabs if you squint. I mean, this is a blown-up pixel pixelated crab so you, you could say yes it's the same crabs whatever yeah maybe it's actually identical if you were to see it outside of this we're gonna say it is we're gonna say retro yeah. saw this crab and they were like you know what let's just do the whole world of those crabs <laughs> they they saw this crab a single tear rolled down their face and they had a mission <laughs> so of course candy kong now candy kong has Probably the most dramatic overhaul in this game. Now, not as far as scenery goes, because her, like, pavilion slash tent, it's still the same. Like, that hasn't changed. But, you know, the original game was Candy Save Point, and then that became obsolete by the time of the Game Boy Color version. Because the last Rare game, the last DKU game made by Rare that utilized save points was the Game Boy half of Conqueror's Pocket Tales. Right. Right. So, but by the time we got to DKC GBC, you you could pretty much save on demand, right? So, yeah. So, for that one, they came up with a different role for Candy, um Candy's challenges, where you would play some shitty 
like off-brand bonus level and you would get this little <laughs> medallion right um right and it was it was kind of half-baked it was an afterthought this one they came up with a whole new reason for candy's existence and the answer well it was 2003 so the answer was let's do our own version of dance dance revolution <laughs> do you know what just what i thought donkey kong country for the game boy advance needed well i, I will say this about this um l- little add-on one it does fit candy kong very well like like right. candy's biggest problem as a character because she's kind of a piss take and granted i think funky was the piss take in the first game too funky had a chance to grow into a surprisingly nuanced character just like k rule did just like a lot of these piss take characters haha this is a stupid shitty character isn't it funny but they actually grew into wonderful wonderful characters candy never really got that opportunity because she was more defined by her character design and and the joke limited her in a way that didn't limit funky and and also part of that is we never really had an occupation to sort of root candy in whereas funky he he was um, a surfer dude but he was a mechanic and from there that really made him blossom into something else candy ran a save point what the fuck is a save point so, you know, and, and Wrinkly sidestepped this entirely because she ran the save points in DKC2, but she was also a school teacher. And, and with Candy, we didn't really have anything to tie her to an occupation until DK64, where she ran a music shop. So then to bring dance into her career curriculum i i guess it makes sense. She is uh, yeah. she, she is into music, she's into dance. So I think I think it fits her well. I think this is really where I get to begin to understand what Candy is beside Donkey Kong's girlfriend with big voluptuous breast. <laughs> of course. Um boy, the sprites for these mini games are very interesting. They're they're huge. They're gigantic. Yeah, so this this is actually like newly rendered like this is this is all new artwork this is this is um um i think it looks great honestly like yeah this this is kind of like taking the renders from the original donkey country and and animating them to do new stuff and um here you have to follow candy's move this was a rhythm game before donkey konga Right, like uh, yeah. more than a year before Donkey Konga, and um, no, uh, I'm cool with this. I, I I like these. These these are cute. Yeah, I I think gameplay wise, I'm not super into them. It's pretty basic, but uh, boy, when I was playing it earlier earlier today, I did the first one of these, and that first level song just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh yeah, I remember exactly how this song goes. Yeah, and it gets harder and more complex as the game goes on. Like, each Candy's Dance Studio is more difficult. And the moves, like, she teaches Donkey and Diddy get more complex. Like, eventually they're doing backflips, and they're just, like, going full-on breaking. 
Um, you know, it, yeah, you have to press B sooner or later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, one, one thing I really like about this too, though, is because this is the original Donkey Kong Country, Donkey and Diddy have their original like all red tie, um, all red shirt, all red hat. Like they don't have the DK on the tie, they don't have the stars on the shirt, the Nintendo on the hat. It is it is Donkey and Diddy in their original look. Like they, they didn't change that. They could have gone back and said we're retconning this because you know the the box art for this game uses Donkey Kong sixty four renders. So right, but but in game. It's all just as they were in 1994, which I appreciate. Yeah, uh, the one difference that I noticed right away is DK's fur being a lot darker. It is a lot darker, which is something that happened. Actually, starting with Donkey Kong Country 2, they really darkened Donkey's fur with renders. And I think it got darker yeah. as the Rare Era went on. Like, by Donkey Kong 64, like, he, he was dark brown. And, um, yeah, but it, it's fine, you know, it... it I know, yeah. what, what I really like it too is you got the background of each world behind um, Candy. So like, um, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, it's a nice little new bit of Donkey Kong Country that is totally unique to this game. Yeah, definitely. I like it. And, and it does. Like I said, it gives Candy a little bit more justification. And, you know, I, I think there... I, I rag on Candy only because of how limited she was in that original game. I think Candy has potential as a character. And we started to see that with this game. We started to see that in the Payon games a little bit. We just, they just stopped using her before we could really make her as beloved as Funky or Cranky or Wrinkly. Um, and it's a shame. Like, I, 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 I don't think Candy should be sacrificed just because she was a piss take because most of the Kongs were piss takes at the beginning. And it's just, um, Rare's diligence of sticking with them that, that they grew into such fantastic characters. I'm not including Donkey and Diddy in that or even Cranky. I'm, I'm including Funky in that and, um, K. Rule, but not now. K. Rool and Funky are some of the most nuanced Nintendo characters. Yeah, K. Rool, a character developed to be a, a piss take, got into Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah, and that could have been Candy had they stuck with it. This Candy would have dominated <laughs> the Smash palette, but this is this is a nice little glimpse into what makes her tick and um, what what defines her outside of shacking up with Donkey Kong. So. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I all in all, like the Kong helpers, they're a lot more worthwhile visiting this time around. And you have to do it, you know, to get everything in the game. Um, but that's not all they changed for this game. So they did do a lot in this game to bring it more in line with the sequels. Because Donkey Kong Country 2 really did advanced the formula quite a bit and then Donkey Kong Country 3 being a, a mostly new team taking over really built it on the bones of DKC2 so DKC1 was always this outlier with presentation and the way they did things like bonus levels and mm-hmm. and so what the GBA team did what the handheld team did with this they took this as an opportunity to bring that first game more in line with the sequels and part of that was bringing in bonus barrels. Um, because in the original Donkey Kong Country, like bonus barrels were 
invented for DKC2. In the original game, the, the times when you would blast yourself to a bonus level, when you know, when you weren't just breaking into a secret passage in the wall, um, it would just be done with a regular barrel cannon. Um, it wasn't defined as a big barrel with a B on it. So you didn't even know if this would necessarily take you to a bonus level or if this was just a barrel cannon. But they actually brought in bonus barrels with this. And by bringing in bonus barrels, they also brought in the thematic titles like in DKC2 and DKC3. Because, you know, DKC2 would really define bonus levels for you. Like uh, Bash, yeah. uh, Destroy Them All, or um, DKC3 at Bash the Baddies, uh, or Collect the Stars, stuff like that, right? Right. So this use some of that vernacular for the original bonus levels and also gave actual nomenclature for some of these bonus stages for the very first time which i really like i really appreciate this is the guy this is like rare fan wanking the original game like dk vine would fan wank but this is actually official so they did the work for us (laughs) <laughs> it's about time yeah i like these a lot uh it's just a it is a nice way to make them feel a little bit more like the other games uh i especially like having the bonus barrels over just launching you off screen yeah i like um the the bonus levels were always more ill-defined in this game and that's not something the gba team could really fix because they were a lot yeah. more ad hoc, a lot more helter skelter, just all over the place. Like Orangutan Gang is the infamous example. Like how many bonus levels are in that? Where DKC2 would give a reason for bonus levels. Oh, they contain a creme coin, and creme coins get you into the lost world, and the lost world gets you to the final boss battle and the true ending to the game. DKC3 would repeat. But bonus levels in DKC were just, eh, here's a bonus level. You, you get some bananas. You might get a life balloon. You might get an animal token. Um, yeah, you found it. Now get out of here. And and finding them all will get, get you 101%. What does 101% mean? Uh, bragging rights. It doesn't really do anything. So <laughs> That's all. And that's still the case with this game, but at the very least, they did tie it in better. And so we we have Bash the Baddies. Uh, they, they use that nomenclature. And and Bash the Baddies was used for the bonus level where you jump on a claptrap multiple times and it spits out bananas. Yeah, it's funny how the artwork has them rolling into the claptrap when that would kill you. Yeah, you can't do that. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid stu- monkeys. Rare. Have you ever played Donkey Kong Country? Jesus Christ. Uh, it's called Donkey Kong Country, the first one. Maybe you heard of it? Yeah, uh, that's probably before your time, Rare. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's Collect the Bananas, which is just the ones where you just collect bananas. Uh, the, collect the Prizes. This is the one where you shoot from a barrel cannon. You've got, like, three anonymous columns of bananas, and you don't know what prize is at the, the, uh, the top of each one, but you have to kind of do a blind... Like shooting of faith, and then you blast up there, and you're like, "Oh, I should have blasted into that other one." Damn it! And then (laughs) whoops, yeah. Um, Find the exit, which is the most basic one. It's just the one where you just go from left to right. Find the exit. Oh, it's over there. I I, I got it. (laughs) Bonus room done. Yeah, that was a tough one. Spell it out. 
spell it out. That's the one where you have the rotating circle of letters and you have to hit them in the right order to spell out a word. Uh, I, I like that they gave a definition to this one and they used, I think it's the render of Donkey and Diddy hanging on the Nintendo logo, but they cropped the Nintendo logo out and they just had them hanging on a big ABC. Like, like, <laughs> like a, a children's television show prop. Donkey Kong teaches reading. You know, I would love an edutainment game in the DKU. Like, I know Donkey Kong Jr. Math exists, but that's the arcade era. I want something like uh, Wrinkly Kong teaches typing. <laughs> Her ghost hands keep going through the keyboard. It's very, it's very unhelpful. Or Professor Chops's mom, Mavis Bacon. Oh, how long have you been planning that one? I'm pretty sure I've given that joke before. I, <laughs> I, that, 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 I, I've had that queued up for at least 13 years. Um, and then there is also finally stop the barrel. And that's the one where you have a prize, like f- prizes flickering in the barrels and you have to like line them up and. Right. Yeah. Stop the barrel. And, and interestingly, they use the render of donkey and diddy having their hands touch like the um like wrath of khan like kirk and spock thing but like i think it's like representative of them tag teaming like you know doing their um tagging out they're high-fiving but they 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 they, uh separated the render and they put a barrel between them which is clever (laughs) they're literally stopping the barrel uh, they also added these screens for the Animal Buddy token games, the much maligned Animal Buddy token games, which are still in here. They didn't do anything with them, but they added uh, similar screens where it's like Rambi bonus, Winky bonus, Espresso bonus. I love that Winky one where he's really just staring right at us. He's staring into your soul, and he's like, "Come on, you know you want to control <laughs> me, the frog." He, he's not even happy, though. So, yeah, because he knows, like, after this, he's just going to be in a in a terrarium in the monkey museum. And then and then what? Yeah, that's all he has to look forward to for the rest of his life. So they also, in addition to adding bonus barrels, added warp barrels from the sequel as well. So the original Donkey Kong Country did have level warps and they would be hidden. And sometimes you would stumble upon it and you would freak the fuck out. Like what happened? What happened? Cause you would just fall into a barrel. It would blast you. And then you'd be at the end of the level and you'd be like, ah, what happened? <laughs> what am I doing here? And, and, and the game never defined it for you. And so this is something the sequel did better. It, it introduced the concept of warp barrels and so it brought those warp barrels in here. It retroactively made these barrels warp barrels. But it also added a title screen, level warp. And not only that, so so the warp barrels in DKC2, they they would bring you to this like interim screen, right? Where you collect bananas um, and then you would go through the door and then it would blast you back into the level towards the end. Right. Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance did something wholly unique with the concept. It, it, it would bring in these like interim rooms, the, these warp rooms, but it would take the concept and make it fully psychedelic. And it'd say, oh, warps. Okay, well, let's have a realm that cuts within the fabric of space-time. Let's have Donkey and Diddy walk across the Bifrost from Norse Norse mythology. Dustin, 
this is fucking nuts. This this little it's this. it's so crazy. It's so weird. So I think this is original music composed just for this game. It, it sounds like aquatic ambience, but it's a little bit different. And I mean, may, maybe this is like refuse laying around that, that David Wise did back in the day. But I think this was done for this game. Don't quote me on that because I might be wrong. But Donkey and Diddy go across this ice bridge. Like, like taken from, I think this is the ice from DKC2, actually. I don't even know this is from Slipslide Ride. I think this is from the ice caverns from DKC2. But they go across. This, I believe that. They go across the ice bridge and behind them, it's like this, um, like star feel, like, but in hyperspace, right? And, and you've got screenshots of scenery from different levels in Donkey Kong Country. Like you've got, the um, treetop towns, you've got um, like uh, the, the the coral lakes, and you've got bananas spelling out the word warp. Just in case you didn't realize this was a, a level warp. Which is, which is helpful, because like I said, the original Duncan Country never explained what was happening. At least this one really drives the right. point home. Right, but it's it's a little redundant when you have a screen before saying it's a level warp, though. It's a bit much. It's but a, you get some bananas. You get some bananas out of it. It's overkill, but it it's very unique overkill, and I do like that that it's outwardly saying, "Hey, Donkey and Diddy are in this nether realm right now. Like they they are they are actually like." in the bleed of the multiverse. I don't fucking know. Like, like this is a concept that I could really sink my teeth into. If I really like tried to piece this out, like what this is, what this space is like, is this the same space that like the pocket dimension of the sea of thieves or the Banjo Kazooie worlds exist in? Like what, what the fuck is this realm? This is awesome. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I I just love it. I I don't even know what to say about it, it <laughs> other than it's just a neat little thing. And I don't really think it fits the original Donkey Kong Country because the original Donkey Kong Country, I don't think really marries well with sci-fi concepts. And, right. And, it kind of reminds me of like Jetpack in the background. Yeah, a little bit. Like this, this is the kind of stuff you would see in the Payon era and you wouldn't bat an eye at. It's like, of course. Of course, because yeah. in that, that, the, those games like Donkey and Diddy get sucked through wormholes and, and, and like they, they go on like full on like Doctor Strange adventures. But here it, it doesn't really fit the more grounded sort of bare knuckled adventure aesthetic of the original Donkey Kong Country. Um, yeah. I like it and I, I think it fits like just in this one little version, which will never be the definitive version. It's fine. And and I like yeah. that it, you know, oh yeah, that those times where you freaked yourself out in 1994, falling through, like off screen and going into this barrel. This is what was happening to Donkey and Diddy. So when your mind was like going like off the rails and you were just imagining like full on psychedelic shit, that was actually happening to Donkey and Diddy. You just never saw it. <laughs> yeah, they were having a really bad time. They were really freaking out seeing all this. So earlier when I was talking about the, uh, the the game's creators, like this version of Donkey Kong Country's cast um, behind the scenes at Rare, I mentioned that Ryan Furchow 
did the world maps. And the world maps are really worth talking about because Mr. Furchow completely built the world of the original Donkey Kong Country from the ground up. He took those world maps, which at their best in the original Super Nintendo version, were kind of hard to make out. They, they were blurry. They were... Lots of shadows. Lots of make, shadows. Obscuring things. You couldn't really make out some of them. Like Vine Valley, you'd be like, what, what am I looking at? What? Yeah, what the hell is all this? But uh, Mr. Furchow, and this would become like standard for all three games in this remake trilogy. They recreated the worlds from the ground up. And they would have this a lot more of a like a shiny look to them that was kind of a telltale trademark of this remake trilogy um i don't know if shiny is the right word they would look like uh this this like plasticky like play-doh sheen to them they would still look very yeah very, that's a good way to put it very good i mean it just doesn't look like it's the same art style as the original trilogy so you kind of have this melding of the new with the old like these assets they did emulate from the original games uh, I like, I like, especially this first game, I like the way the world maps look. Yeah, same. Like, I, I get it if it's not someone's fancy, if someone just doesn't like them uh-huh. compared to the originals. But I think they're neat, even though I do agree with you on that uh, Play-Doh sheen. Uh, they look a little uh, Jimmy Neutron-esque uh, in the best possible way, of course. And this is kind uh, of, I love them. This is kind of the aesthetic that I think Donkey Kong would have taken on anyway had Rare not been sold to Microsoft and had Nintendo just bought Rare uh, as Rare right. wanted them to. Um, Because when we look at things like Diddy Kong Pilots and uh, Coconut Crackers, this is kind of the same. And granted, this was you know, the handheld team, a lot of shared talent you know but even looking at donkey kong racing i think uh, aesthetics proportions it would take on this kind of look and um i like the way donkey kong island looks in this game on on the map screen i totally agree i I think it's a big improvement i i think this actually might be my favorite appearance of donkey kong island it looks um a little bit more spread out than the way it looked in the Super Nintendo one, but it's it's still iconic. It's got the Donkey Kong head. The Donkey Kong head's a lot more recognizable. You look at it and you're like, oh yeah, that's Donkey Kong's head because it's it's something that some people wouldn't notice in the Super Nintendo one until you see it from afar. You're like, oh wait, is Donkey Kong Island supposed to be Donkey Kong's head? And here, there's no question it's Donkey Kong's head, but it still looks natural. You can make out, like, the caves in his eyes, like the, the stalactites and stalagmites, and uh, I don't know. I, I really like the way this looks. I it's, it's probably my favorite depiction of this style for DK Island. Same. I agree. You know what it reminds me of is uh, K. Rule's Final Smash in Smash Ultimate. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, know, I know it's going for DK64, but it really looks like this one. Proportion wise, I, I think they're very similar. Yeah. And yeah, if you look at the ROM that's floating around Diddy Kong Pilot, you will have Donkey Kong Island in the background of some of the tracks there. And it looks similar to this, but it's a little bit different. 
Um, yeah. This is still, I think, my... my if, if I have to choose, like, what I want Donkey Kong Island to look like from this point on, I would pick this, probably. I think my only change would be I would make it uh, I would make it bigger. Like I'm looking at this and you you can fit like maybe one jungle level in that jungle with those trees. Yeah, yeah, like I think But you, it get, but the idea, yeah. Yeah. Like I think with with modern hardware and, and like but I think as a representation of the original game this 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 is pretty sweet and if you don't know what totally. we're talking about just look it up online you know you can find it on super mario wiki look at youtube walkthroughs of this game um emulate it if you want but you ain't gonna have me mm-hmm. um or if nintendo puts it on nintendo switch online definitely play it there but anyway um the congo jungle is the most faithful recreation um, out of all the worlds, like they, they just take that original world, that iconic original world, and they recreate it. And um, what I really like is you see, as we, we talked about this on our Destination DKU episode for the Congo Jungle, but you can see like one, one of the differences in the map screens of this game is in the original Super Nintendo one, they would split up the map screens to two separate screens, right? So you'd have... Right. um you wouldn't have like the scrolling map screens and this one utilizes scrolling map screens. And so when you zoom it out, you can see like the full exterior of the caves um, in the Congo jungle, which I like. Yeah, I love it. Um, it, it it's just, I, I like being able to get a different feel for these stages. Like I, I do like how co- the Congo jungle is just like as close as it gets, but I really like when they're able to kind of reinterpret the layouts of these and make them uh, kind of keep in mind the layout a little more than they might have back then. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't really change a lot with the Congo Jungle, but I do have to point out something, Dustin. Please do. And we talked about this on another episode we did. Uh, Gib Cribs, Donkey Kong's Treehouse. So, in this game, one of the little Easter eggs they put in there that not a lot of people know about, actually, um, unless you're a freak who would routinely go back to <laughs> Donkey Kong's treehouse just to chill out because it's Donkey Kong's home. After you beat Gorilla Glacier, if you go back to Donkey Kong's treehouse, the first time you do it, you, you walk in and very naughty is trespassing on the premises. Oh my goodness. The boss of the Congo jungle is trespassing in Don Kong street house. You walk in very naughty. He's like, who? Huh? <laughs> he doesn't say that. There's no dialogue, but he pants a lot. And yeah, he, you can definitely infer that that's what he would have said. Yeah. He, he like, he does like, I, I imagine Don knots, right? That's, that's <laughs> right. And, uh, and then he just hops out. <laughs> and that's it. Like I love this. Like, oh damn. I've I've been I've been busted. I've been I've been rumbled here. Uh I got an am scray. And I'm out uh, of here. It's like what was very naughty doing? Was he just wrecking up the joint? Was he just like look, look Well well he is he is right next to DK socks, so Right. Like was he sniffing was he just trying to figure out why Donkey Kong has enormous socks, like all of us. <laughs> Why are these so hard? Anyway, I... <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> Who's been the very naughty one here? Not me. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, that's just a little cool Easter egg. Definitely worth checking out if you've never done so. So Monkey Mines. Uh, Mon- Monkey Mines, it, it visually looks pretty similar. Um... But, um, like, this is where they start changing the order of, like, the Kong helpers a little bit. So, like, Cranky comes first. And then, uh, like, they, they, like, push down. Like, I think, like, uh, Funky moves where Cranky used to be. And, and it's just like, what, why are they doing this? What, 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 what? Okay. Anyway, um, well. I kind of get it. It, it kind of makes sense having Cranky earlier so he can give you tips. For the other levels that are about to come up ahead. I guess, I guess, I guess, yeah. I it just, in my head, I have to reconcile the original depiction with the sequel. Like, how can they both be possible? Is, the, <laughs> is, is Cranky's cabin, like, on some sort of, like, outcropping that makes it look like it's further away, but it's actually here, and you can access it from both points? And this is This is where my brain went in 2003. Like, I, I was in full-on, like, um pepe sylvia mode like with like strings attaching like different screenshots and trying to make sense of both versions and it would only get worse as the remake trilogy went on but um one aspect i do like of monkey minds is you can more plainly see where the kremlin temple is millstone mayhem you can make out exactly where it is on the map screen because you can see the kremlin architecture there yeah, not so much in the original. No, and like I said, the original, it's hard to make out anything, really, except, like, rocks and plants, R- really. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it, I, th- I think the better lighting really helps things stand out a little more. Yeah, we, we, we like, rag on, like, the, the backgrounds in this game because it's not as atmospheric, because it's not as moody or what have you, but on the map screens, especially because the map screens are just remade from scratch, it definitely, definitely uh, helps make everything stand out more and it makes it pop. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I think, like, the like we were, we were suitably impressed in 2003 with the map screens. I remember it being a source of discussion on the old DK Vine forum, just, like, how cool they were. And I don't know if, like, people still have that opinion. I think people started getting a little skeptical of it when they did it for the sequel, because DKC2's map screens are a lot more revered, probably, than DKC1. And DKC3, of course, you know, the map screens were part of the appeal of that game to begin with. So, but I, I think in this one, there was definitely room for improvement, for sure, there. Totally. I, I totally agree. And Vine Valley, they, they really go above and beyond in Vine Valley. Because Vine Valley's always been, I think, my biggest, what the fuck is this map screen? <laughs> what uh, even is this? Because you can see palm trees, you can see a bridge to the offshore island, you can see a temple, but it's so, like, it's so dimly lit, it's... It's set against like a sunset, and so everything is just blah. I, I don't know. So what they did is they just made it daylight, and you can make out exactly what everything's supposed to be, and it's really cool because they, um, like the, the, for the bridge to the offshore island, which 
A lot of fans, including myself, like to call Utan Island based on the German Donkey Kong 64 website that said Lanky Kong is from Utan Island. And well, what is Utan Island? Well, this offshore island that houses Orangutan Gang, perhaps? Mm. Uh, but this is also the home for Temple Tempest. And so what they did here was they fully like incorporated the Kremlin Temple architecture into the entirety of Vine Valley, but especially going into Utan Island. And so you the the bridge is flanked by these critter statues holding enormous spears and it's it's very evocative of Kremlantis from Donkey Kong Land and of course Donkey Kong Land sort of retconned Donkey Kong Country's Kremlin temples and said it's part of this Kremlin empire of antiquity called Kremlantis and this really helps tie into that because it looks like greek statues right like from the time of atlantis from the myth of atlantis so it's really cool looking yeah the the one complaint i have about it is i'm getting a lot of the the temple influence in here but i think it loses some of the forest part of it i I, I will agree there if it's vine valley i don't really associate too much with Temple Tempest, I associate it more with it being the temperate force of Donkey Kong Island. And you definitely do lose it here in this map screen. I do think it's really cool the way they really yeah, tie in definitely. like Kremlantis and that little bit of Donkey Kong land lore, which of course was going to come back in Donkey Kong Racing. But um, yeah, like I, I, I do, th- like I, I wouldn't say like, I, if you could like, split this in half and use the Super Nintendo version for the forest and the GBA version for Utan Island, that would be ideal, but I I I I like I like the thematic links to like other Donkey Kong games and, and the Kremlin backstory. But Vine Valley, yeah. Dustin, is the first time they maybe arbitrarily, I don't know why they did this, why they swapped the order of the levels. And this would be a reoccurring thing throughout the next several worlds. Yeah, I I wonder, do you think it was just to balance, like, some harder... Well, I don't know, because Orangutan Gang always struck me as one of the harder stages, but now it's put, like, right in the middle. Yeah, Orangutan Gang now comes fourth. Clam City, which used to be the final level, is now the penultimate... And Temple Tempest is now the last level, which is, it just seems weird. And the, the only thing I can think of is that they redesigned the map screen first. And then they were like, oh, well, now the level order doesn't make sense. Let's change it. But that, yeah, seems, like a I weird, mean, that seems like a weird way of doing it. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't hurt it. It's not like I'm sitting here thinking, oh, this game is ruined because Orangutan game comes earlier. And, and you know, given the way it's laid out, like, th- there's really no reason why they couldn't do Clam City first. Like, like it, it doesn't really break the logic of Duncan Country in my head. It's just, uh, it's just weird. It's a weird choice. But, yeah, um, this is also the first boss battle that they fundamentally alter. So... Starting with Vine Valley, they changed the mechanics of the boss fights in Donkey Kong Country, going through Chim Caverns. 
And the reason they did this is because, and I don't have this quoted, I don't have this verified, I just know it in my gut, the boss battles of Donkey Kong Country suck. Yeah, <laughs> I I know that because that's what everyone says and knows. Uh, ex- aside from the fight with King K. Rool at the end, which is a fantastic boss battle, the boss battles of Donkey Kong Country are absurdly stupid and half-baked. They spent very limited time. I mean, you can clearly see where they were time-crunched, and they were time-crunched with the boss battles. Because Definitely. they all use the same background. They're all just a very basic um, run left to right, avoiding the boss, maybe maybe hitting the boss, jumping on it, or throwing a barrel at it. And... They get a little bit more interesting as it goes on, but they never get very interesting. Except until you get the King K. Rule, which is a great boss fight. Um, yeah, they they never get, like, that enjoyable. Uh, you're not going to have anyone be like, oh, man, I love that boss dumb drum fight. Right. I don't, I don't mind dumb drum, but everybody everybody goes to very naughty. And they pretty much kept very naughty intact. I think maybe very naughty jumps a little bit higher in this one. But Right. Uh, they're not great, especially compared to the superlative boss fights of DKC2, DKC3. Even Donkey Kong Land had better boss fights than this. Um, so, <laughs> Ouch. I mean, I mean, that's not a knock against Donkey Kong Land. I'm saying, like, Donkey Kong Land had better boss fights. I'm thinking Giant Clam. Yeah. Um, yeah, you had to, you know, bounce the pearls off the mollusk. Hard hat. Just, just, just more interesting. Hard hat was whack-a-mole, which was, you know, clever conceit, I guess. So... I the team rightfully said, "Hey, this is actually one area where the like brilliant Greg Mail's design fell on its fucking face. Like Greg Mail stripped <laughs> over his dick, and we can do better than Greg Mail's. Ha ha ha! <laughs> we are kings. We are queens. We 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 are the rulers of Donkey Kong Country." Let us have our say. And so they, uh, they, they started changing the boss fights with Queen Bee. And I would argue that Queen Bee didn't really need it, but Queen Bee, they, they changed it by having Queen Bee surround herself with zingers. Yeah. It's, it's been a long time since I've done this boss fight, but, uh, I mean, that just sounds like a plus in my book. I don't yeah. see how that could, like, detract from what was there. It was slightly evocative of King Zing in DKC2 um, when, when he would, like, shrink down. But, um, yeah, it, it was all right. Um, it, it definitely it definitely pays off, I think, starting with Gorilla Glacier. Like, there, there's two boss fights in particular that I think are greatly improved. And, and that would be Really Naughty and Master Neki Sr. But we'll, um, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. And we're getting to it. Really soon, because we're going into Gorilla Glacier. What are the odds? So, Gorilla Glacier, it's pretty close to the original layout. They did change the way the map screen looked a little bit. One thing they did, and this is one where I'm not sure if it's an improvement or not, but they really fleshed out the ice cavern and really made, like, the whole lower half of the map defined by the ice cavern 
I was going to say I love it, but that's because that's one of my favorite stages in the whole game. And boy, that just looks great on that map screen compared to the like nothing yeah. <laughs> in the original. One, one thing I do like about the Gorilla Glacier map screen in the GBA version is you can see more mountain behind it. So it's, yeah. it's just like, oh, it's just it keeps going. Whereas Gorilla Glacier in the first game, you see like some more peaks but they're obscured by clouds so you don't really have that sense of scale yeah definitely um one thing i do miss is i, I kind of like the texture of the snow in the original yeah it's got that um, great early acm killer instinct glacius yeah. kind of snow yeah exactly what i was thinking and it's just it's just pristine white like no rabbits have even pissed in this <laughs> yeah it i i feel like if the gba version had more of that you can see there's like a little texture in the show in the snow but not a lot i i feel like if it had that then it would be perfect but i think that's the one thing holding it back is it's just like a lot of just pure white snow yeah yeah gorilla glacier in the original it really gives the vibe that this is no mountain resort this is no ski resort this is no mario kart donkey kong trek from yeah from uh mario kart ds or mario kart Wii. this is hostile terrain this is like um permanent snow-capped um it, it's not it's not a snow day right the, and, and um yeah the gba one is just like oh winter wonderland la 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 da da yeah, exactly. I feel like it kind of loses that harshness that it had before. But like I said, I do like the ice cave. Um, and if it had that, it would definitely be the superior one to me. What I don't like, Dustin, is the the level order swap in this one. Because for me, they ruined it. Um, so oh. the original Gorilla Glacier... I think it has one of the most quintessential trilogy of stages in the entire Donkey Kong series. Um, because when you first enter Gorilla Glacier, you got um, Snow Barrel Blast, where the blizzard begins to descend, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and, and like, like starts off with just a, a small little flurry, and then it just fully like erupts into torrential snowfall. Then you go into Slip Slide Ride, this ice cavern. It's kind of like you're sheltering from the storm in this almost magical, ethereal, almost like fantasy-like setting, but but still very rooted in the reality of Donkey Kong Country. But you know, like yeah. outside, it's harsh winter conditions or, or harsh winter-like conditions. And then... You exit it, and then it's Ice Age Alley. The blizzard is still coming down, and then by the end of it, it's tapered off, and it stops snowing. So you you have sequential storytelling that the original DKC is so good at. Mm. And then for no reason at all, they switch the order. So <laughs> uh, in between Slip Slide Ride and Ice Age Alley, you've now inserted Croctopus Chase, the 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 underwater level of, of gorilla glacier and i think i get why they did this maybe to kind of I, stretch out the snow aspect of gorilla glacier because after ice age alley gorilla glacier is no longer about snow it's about croctopus chase it's about it you're in a cave with squawks 
and then you're in a treetop town again, and then you're fighting a beaver. Yeah, it. Uh, what comes to mind for me is uh, I look at the ice caves on the map screen, and I think because uh, you were saying Croctopus Chase now comes after Slip Slide Ride. Yeah. Yeah, so I look at that and I, I do see water in there. Maybe they wanted to... Because um, that ice cave is the only ice cave level in the game. Maybe they wanted to be like, okay, well, if we put the water stage in the cave, that kind of stretches it out a little more. It, You're doing a little more in that ice. And I, I get that. It's just what what becomes this perfect like threesome now becomes a foursome. Yeah. And, and a foursome is a bit too much. It's a little much for uh, Ol' Hiles' taste. Yeah, like, the bed's not that big. Like, what are we doing here? Because uh, then it just becomes an orgy when you get that many people involved. Right, which is great for some people. It's great for some people, but when it comes to Donkey Kong Country's sequential snow storytelling, I like to keep it um, a little <laughs> bit more easier to handle. Yeah, right. Um, I should also point out Torchlight Trouble's a little bit different, too, in that Squawks is now just flying with the flashlight from the start you don't have to break them out of a crate which makes sense because why break them out of a crate except for i'm going to try to challenge myself get through torchlight <laughs> trouble without squawks but you know glimmer just shows up in glimmer's galleon in dkc2 you don't have that option so i i, I get it and at least at the very least like squawks has a reason for existing in this game unlike the gbc version where Squawks just magically illuminates the entire cavern, and, and there's no <laughs> flashlight effect. At least the flashlight effect is here, so... Yeah. Let's talk, though... Um, oh, I should also point out Torchlight Trouble and Rope Bridge Rumble have traded places. So, um, now Torchlight Trouble is last. How do you feel about that one? I that don't know. change in level. I don't know that. Because <laughs> Torchlight Trouble isn't as hard as Rope Bridge Rumble, so I don't know why they they do it like that. Except that's the way they designed the map screen, and that's I, I don't know. But you don't even right. see, you don't even see the treetop town on the GBA map screen either. So I don't know. I, I can feel you looking right now, Dustin, look, pouring over the map, trying to fix, see if you see those Ewok villages in there. I am. I, do, I, don't, I don't see them you anywhere. Don't, you don't see You do see the trees, at least. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's yeah. the trees. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the really naughty fight. So really naughty, they really uh, well, made it naughtier. So... You know, really naughty, his whole thing in the original game was he just jumps higher and farther than very naughty. And they they thought that was a bit stupid for this. So what really naughty does is he knocks stalactites down from the ceiling of this cavern. And so you've got this extra obstacle of a giant jumping beaver and, oh yeah, uh, the ca- the cave's collapsing in on us. Yeah. I liked it. Um yeah, I like it. I think it's a it's a good change. Uh, it it makes a fight that's really almost nothing. It's a little more than the first one, but um, it gives it something else. Like this late in the game, it's it's not as basic. Yeah, yeah. Creme Croc Industries. 
I think has one of the most dramatic remakes visually on the map screen from the original. And I have to say, out of all of these, this is the one I actually like the least. Interesting. Now, that that's interesting you would say that because I feel like the original kind of falls into uh, what we were talking about earlier, just kind of hard to make some things out. I like the original because of that, though, because it's one of the few map screens where I feel like that works in its favor because it's supposed to be this polluted, um, tarnished landscape. But here's my problem with the new one. Okay. The, the new one, they added so much infrastructure for the factories. Like the, the whole thing becomes like 70% factories and buildings. And and the land itself, very sparse. It, it's a very small aspect of it. Whereas the original, there's like a, a couple factories and it's just all landscape that's barren and polluted. And you really get this idea, this sense that this used to be um, just this, this very beautiful like um hilly mountainous terrain that the kremlins have ruined and Mm -hmm. and and that really helped convey that for me here in the gba map screen it looks like a banjo kazooie world (laughs) it sure it so does i didn't even think about that but now that you say that that's like all i can see and i realize we can't really do it justice just talking about it pull this up at home, um, safely in the car, if you're listening to this on the go. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like a, it looks like Rusty Bucket Bay or, or Grindy Industries, just someplace Banjo Kazooie would be ambling around in one of their adventures. It, it, there, there's just too much in the way of Kremlin construction and not enough in the land that they have stripped from the kongs and and that's even really on display in poison pond where poison pond is represented on the map screen the original you can really make out it used to be a lake or or a pond that was beautiful at one time here it just looks like toxic sludge it looks like mutagen that a ninja turtle character would be born out of (laughs) yeah i i think my least favorite thing about it is just the neon green skies here yeah like i one part i do like a lot about the original is just like it really feels more like it's just pollution these polluted brown skies and clouds here it's just this like bright green like like you said basically like a, a mutagen it's it's it doesn't feel natural yeah it, it it really did in the original look like here on the east coast when the canadian wildfires when the sm- smoke was being blown in by the trade winds down across the eastern seaboard of the of the americas uh, of the united states it really did feel like creme crock industries on the super nintendo the sky never got neon green <laughs> yeah and and i get it like like we were saying before this is before the game boy advance had a light to to actually see things so they got to brighten this shit up uh but you know that doesn't mean I, I even though i get it that doesn't mean i have to like it yeah and i i don't know i, I feel like the original creme croc actually with its map screen communicated the pathos 
inherent within Crem Cruck. Well, this is just, it's just overkill. It's like, well, there's no coming back from this. This is just like toxic Avenger levels of like, um, beating you over the head with it. But, um, that being said, there is another level order swap here. Elevator Antics and Poison Pond have traded places. And Minecart Madness and Blackout Basement have changed places, which I disagree with. I think Blackout Basement uh, worked as the last level just because it was very like, oh my god, Blackout Basement. Um, Minecart Madness might be harder, I, I who's to say, but... Um, and, and maybe they just wanted to make the factory levels more evenly distributed and, and not have it be so bookended, but... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I, I I feel like of all the level order switch ups, I, this is probably the one that would mess with me the most. Like up until now, I've just been like, eh, whatever. I, I it, it it would be fine for me, but here I'm. I don't know. Something about the the layout of this level is just more hardwired in my head than the other ones, and I I have no idea why. Probably because you died more in this world, and so it... That, that it, might be it. Yeah, it's cemented in your brain, like, with the exact order it come in. So... Yeah. Dumb Drum, they, they changed up Dumb Drum to make it a little bit more of a proactive boss fight, because before you're just avoiding Dumb Drum, like, you have to dispatch the baddies that Dumb Drum spits out, but as far as Dumb Drum itself, you just avoid it coming down and then eventually blows itself up here yeah th- this is at least something yeah the kongs have to hit dumb drum with a tnt barrel to actually inflict damage on it yeah i i think a pattern with some of these bosses is um the changes aren't like massive but they do enough <laughs> You can only like, do so much with some of these exactly, boss fights, um, to, exactly. To, to keep it pretty much the same boss fight, like without just completely redoing it, which you don't really want to do, or else it's just not the same. Um, yeah. So, so they do like they they have to color within the lines, but they use new crayons. <laughs> Fancy new crayons. Yeah. So, finally, the last world, Chimp Caverns. Now, this is the map screen, like, outside of, like, the the bits of Vine Valley I like, and outside of the fidelity to the Congo jungle, this is the map screen change I like the most. Ooh, going from least to most. Yeah, and, and I like this the most because continuity. Um, so, Dustin... I'm sure you're aware that originally they had earmarked for the final world of Duncan Country a volcano, uh, molten lava, like, interior of Donkey Kong Island. Of course, Hyle. We all know that. Right. They did not have the time to implement that, which is why Chimp Caverns was just more cave levels. Just just more cave levels. Yeah, more, more mines, more caves. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So just throw them in. So Donkey Kong 64 would indeed establish that there was a volcanic core to Donkey Kong Island. Um, the exterior to Crystal Caves, you can see the lava um, seeping through. 
And of course, Donkey Kong Country Returns in 2010 would fully make good on the promise of all of this by having Gorilla Glacier erupt, the Tiki Tak tribe return from the volcano, cause an eruption, and then the last world of that game is indeed a volcano. So here you have the lava seeping through the cracks of Chimp Caverns, which I love. I love that that is Same. just like the Kremlantis connections with the Kremlin temples. I love that they tie back into, at this point, just Donkey Kong 64, but also sort of call back on something that most people wouldn't know back in 2003, that the final world was supposed to be volcanic. Yeah, and and that's really cool for the people who know that, but I can see it being a little confusing going in here. Like, if you're playing it for the first time, coming here, seeing the lava, and then not getting any lava levels. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess, but, you know... But but as far as where we come from, it's a, it's cool and appreciated. Yeah, you know, the island is not actively erupting at this point, so... I like that, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost like a foreshadowing of seven years later with when Retro takes over. Um, <laughs> it's like the Tiki Tak tribe is growing in strength slowly and <laughs> they're just not there yet. Oh, but just you wait. So they didn't change the order of, of levels here. I mean, Necky Nutmare from the GBC version, they, they didn't bring that back. Right. Um, and I don't think they could, given the way they made this game, um, taking assets from the Super Nintendo emulated Super Nintendo version, they wouldn't be able to just, I mean, I guess they could, and eventually they had the confidence to make new levels with assets, but that was, that wasn't until DKC3. So I, I guess at this point, they didn't have the confidence to just remake Nucky Nutmare from the ground up in a version that's more faithful to the Super Nintendo version, so they just didn't do it. Yeah, I get that. Uh, but they did change up something to do with Neckies. Um, the Master Necky Senior fight, the the boss battle before the Gangplank Galleon, the last regular boss battle of the game, and the boss battle of Chimp Caverns, Master Necky Senior is now, surprise, joined by Master Necky Jr., uh, his son, father and son teaming up years before Tropical Freeze did it with Donkey and Cranky. And I do like... Happy Father's Day, everyone, yeah, happy last bel- week. Happy belated Father's Day. I do like the surprise here. And this is something that they they would do to in Stronghold Showdown in the sequel with Kerosene. Just to have the surprise element. If you are familiar with Donkey Kong Country, you know exactly how it goes. And then all of a sudden, oh, here's... Here's two Master Neckies in the same room. Ah, <laughs> we gotcha. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never defeat two of them. <laughs> no, but I, 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 do, I do like that, and it does make it more interesting yeah. and more challenging in a way that it's just, it isn't just Master Necky, but harder and faster. Ergo, Master yeah. Necky Senior. It's Master Necky Senior. Oh, by the way. Here's his son again. He's back with a vengeance. You didn't kill him. You should have killed him. Should have <laughs> finished the job. Yeah, they, they won't make that mistake again in DKC2. So, speaking of DKC2, let's talk a little bit about the Gangplank Galleon design in this game. So, oh, I'd love to. So, 
what, what's interesting is so so in the original on the original map screen for Duncan Country, the Gangplank Galleon looks more like the Gangplank Sloop. R- yeah, because it's just a single s- sail that's represented. Obviously, it's supposed to be a galleon, and um, like the map screen representation, we're just not seeing all the bits, right? Um, in the Super yeah. Nintendo one, what's interesting is there are some elements that we associate more prominently with the sequel that are already there. Um, we've got the Kremlin Jolly Roger, although it is reversed, it is actually on the sail of the Gangplank Galleon in the original. And you can make out the Kremlin, the golden Kremlin head, crocodile head, uh, figurehead on the front of it. So, so like those elements of the Gangplank Galleon were already in a Super Nintendo version. In the GBA one, they do make an effort to make it more visually consistent with DKC2. Although, strangely, I don't think the figurehead got translated. There's just no figurehead. Yeah, I don't see any figurehead, but I do see uh, Crow's Nest. Yep, yep. So, there are three sails. Three sails, um, so it is a proper galleon, a proper rare galleon, and we've got uh, crow's nest complete with the eggs on top, which is a great foreshadowing, great call forward to DKC2, which is just something very unique, very specific to DKC2, would not have to be here, but they're like, you know what, let's put eggs in the crow's nest, to because so the fans, you know, who know what's up, can say ah yeah that's that's awesome that's just totally something they didn't even need to do the uh the the flag too um it, it's they, they don't portray it as the striped red like black and red flag what um the reaper's emissary that what was a grade four reaper's emissary flag right that K. Rule rocks but it is black and i guess you could just say they just couldn't portray the red stripes on it so it has the red stripes on it we just can't see it Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I like the way the Gangplank Galleon looks here. And, and the K. Rule fight is preserved. They don't, they don't do anything fancy with it. Why mess with something that comes close to perfection? And I, it's not perfection because perfection is K. Rule duel in DKC2. That's <laughs> my opinion. But, um, one thing that did change with the boss fights, though, also that I haven't mentioned, uh, and this would become a reoccurring thing throughout the GBA remake trilogy. Sometimes for better, I think in this case for better, and sometimes for worse, in the sequels, for probably for worse. Cranky pops out after you defeat every boss, and he makes little pithy comments about the boss. Yeah, I love this. I remember uh, freaking out when he did this when I first played through it. <laughs> I, I like that Cranky shit talks every boss, because it... it Brings the mind like what he does in the instruction manuals, right? But he does it very specifically and very pointedly to each boss. And it really works in this first game where the bosses are notorious for just being the shits. Yeah. Just being the ghastly shits. And um, so to have Cranky comment on that, it works. And I, I like like Cranky, for example, really naughty. And I just shared this on social media tonight because I, I got giddy about this. Because it took me five hours to compile the show notes for this episode. I was very thorough. And, and I, I forgot, you know, the ins and outs of this dialogue. So Cranky would say, um, are my old eyes... Oh, like I do the voice, I'm sorry. 
are my old eyes. Is that the same voice? No, that's a grizzled prospector. I, <laughs> my, I guess that fits with Diddy Kong Pilot. All right, we'll do. Are my old eyes playing tricks? I'm sure I've seen that beaver before. Where could it have been? <laughs> you know what? That's not the same voice you were doing earlier, but I think it's an improvement. That's if Cranky has spent um, close to two and a half hours talking about a handheld remake of a game. <laughs> a second you remake. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you, uh, you beat Dumb Drum. This is my favorite line. This is, this is actually lengthy. Oh, dear. Call that tin can a boss. Surely K. Rule can come up with better than that. Maybe a bucket, or perhaps a really nasty fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Which I like, because he's, like, basically referencing Banjo-Kazooie and ukulele characters in a long haul. Yeah, bring in the really nasty fridge. I want that, boss. Maybe a vending machine. (laughs) Well, let's not get crazy. So this actually reaches its zenith after King K. Rule's defeat. When every fucking character joins on the Gangplank Galleon to make little comments. And, and, and when I say like they, they join everybody, like everybody joins the Kongs on the Gangplank Galleon to make comments. They don't stop making comments. I feel like there was no editorial oversight here. And it just <laughs> kept going, Dustin. And, and it works okay in Donkey Kong Country 1 because there was no real ending Donkey Kong Country 1. You defeat K. Rool, you go back to Cranky's cabin, and Cranky says, check your banana hoard. You might be in for a surprise. And then he'll say, good job, you found everything. You proved me wrong. Or if I if I was you, I would have found every secret. And then that's the end. And then you go to Donkey Kong's treehouse, and then he beats the shit out of a little kid. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the classic ending we all know. Right, so I don't mind that they... Ex- Banded upon that and fleshed it out. Again, it really hurts the sequel when you have perfection and you start painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa, basically. But right um, here, here it works okay, even if it gets a bit silly and it starts to feel a little bit weightless. Like, wh- what is even happening? It feels like everybody's just play acting at this point. But Cranky shows up and he gives basically what's the dialogue that he would give you at Cranky's cabin on the Gangplank Galleon. How Cranky reached the Gangplank Galleon, I guess Funky flew everybody in, more on that later. But you defeat K. Rule and weirdly fireworks start going off behind the Gangplank Galleon. It's like, is Funky setting off fireworks? I guess, now that we know Sea of Thieves established that you can set off fireworks from a ship's cannon, Funky brought fireworks and he started setting them off from the Gangplank Galleon's cannons. Yeah, see? They they were quite a few steps ahead. They had this all thought out. So Cranky says, uh, What a player, DK, my lad. You beat the Kremlins and found everything. I'm just Bill Clinton now. You're slipping into Bill Clinton. You're bringing back the classic Heil Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton slash Matthew McConaughey. It's it's a weird (laughs) blend of both. Uh, You're nearly as good as I used to be. (laughs) Now that's all sorted. I'm going back to sleep. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so, so Cranky says that, right? And then we cut to the cast uh, of characters, the character parade, and and right. and and it's nice, it's neat actually, because the uh, 
the land-based characters walk across the deck of the Gangplank Galleon, and then when it gets the aquatic characters, it goes down into the water, and it shows them swimming by. So it's very, very clever down. But then, after that, then all of a sudden, Candy Kong's there, and Funky Kong's there, with Cranky, and Donkey and Diddy. And then Donkey says that line that you just said. Oh, I skipped ahead too far. I got too overzealous you, you, to you reprise got, Donkey Kong. You just Kong. got so swept up by the grand narrative that, yeah, you you, <laughs> you jumped a few steps ahead. It's okay, Dustin. It happens. It happens to the best of us. When, when you have something so expertly written as this dialogue. <laughs> yeah. So, so Donkey says he's going to go back to sleep. And Diddy says... uh. You lazy ape! You're getting too old for this! And at this point, Donkey Kong's, what, in his early 20s? So, it's like, I know Diddy's, like, 12 at this point, so to him, Donkey Kong's old, but it's like, shut the fuck up, Diddy. Taking naps are, is, is, that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome <laughs> thing to take a nap. And when you're gonna become a teenager in a few years, you'll be taking naps all the fucking time. So watch- Yeah, your, you're gonna wish you could take naps. Watch your little bratty mouth, or Donkey Kong is gonna <laughs> beat you back in his treehouse. <laughs> oh, and then who, who's gonna be Candy? I'll, I'll be Candy. Um, well, I'll be Candy. Okay, you go ahead. You have done a great job, guys. Wow, was that it, Candy Kong? Is that you? Oh, no, it was Heil. I know. We get mistaken for each other <laughs> quite a bit. All right, and then Funky says, Yeah, wicked man. And then um, Cranky says, This sea air is doing me no good at all. Yeah, that's just Clinton. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's gross. It's okay. We all knew it was coming. All right. And then K. Rule just shows up behind everybody. He just gets up after being knocked unconscious. They wasted so much time that K. Rule regained consciousness and woke up. And, and K. Rule comes <laughs> up behind Cranky, and you be K. Rule, Dustin. All right. Make yourselves at home. Oh, so we're go- we're going Benedict Campbell. I, I figured, you know, we had DK, might as well get... I, I think it might be my favorite K. Rule voice. So so we've got two very faithful cartoon voices, and we've got my mess of... <laughs> Matthew McClintonhay and um, just whatever... ASMR funky. Yeah, all right, so, so Diddy says... K rule like like he's surprised like yeah he, you didn't kill him he's gonna wake up <laughs> you didn't oh no him. he's regained consciousness in that long period of time yeah okay so continuing on with the with the cutscene then yeah. uh right i've had i have had enough of this it's time for me to get going so you kongs better get off my boat or else or else like at, at this point what are we doing here like at, at this point like they've had this big <laughs> yeah we cl- actually want to leave they've had this big climactic battle and that now is just like ferris bueller's day off it's like it's over go home like like <laughs> like this is what i mean but it starts to feel a little bit weightless like there are no more stakes involved um anyway diddy says or else what i'll destroy dk island Awaha! uh and then diddy says you're bluffing lizard face <laughs> and then candy <laughs> says 
I don't think he is, sugar. Let's get off this manky ship. Oh. So, is is this Candy being specious? Like, she's just saying, oh, like, oh, yeah, the Kremlings are just affiliated with the Mankies. So I'm calling it a manky ship. Right. Well, does manky mean something? I've never heard the word used before. I, it's like mangy and... um. Stanky? (laughs) (laughs) What a good combo. And Cranky says, uh, I'm too old for this. See ya. And then Funky (laughs) says, I'm bailing out, dudes. And see what I mean? It just keeps going. Like, do we need every character to get in? Yeah, does everyone everyone need to have the last word in this? K-Roll says, I'm going to destroy Don Kong Island. And everybody was like, well... Here's my opinion on that. <laughs> Mondays, am I right? I shouldn't have gotten bed. I shouldn't have gotten out of bed this morning. I need my uh-uh. coffee. <laughs> That's gonna leave a mark. He's right behind me, isn't he? <laughs> he literally is. Yeah. <laughs> and then Donkey Kong says, "I'm out of here." No, he doesn't. Oh, no, I skipped one. He yeah. says, "We will meet again, K. Rule." Yeah, he says it really weird, like. We will meet again, K. Rule. Like, he says it like a Phil Hartman character in, in a Matt Groening cartoon. We will meet yeah. again, K. Like, he says it very unnaturally, very... We un- will meet again, K. Rule. Yeah, yeah, like, what? And then he says, I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> he is out of here. Yeah, and then... Uh, they all leave. So even though Cranky and Funky and Candy say they're gonna, like, they want to get off the ship first... We only see Donkey and Diddy jump off the Gangplank Galleon because they're the only ones with a jumping animation. So <laughs> so then we cut to all five Kongs floating in the Atlantic Ocean. And, and K. Rule says, I'll be back. And this is him on the Gangplank Galleon, the map screen depiction of the Gangplank Galleon. Strangely enough, we now have the SNES depiction of Don Kong Island in the background because that was in the background of the K. Rule fight. They didn't repurpose the remade DK Island for the GBA game in the background. So we have a visual inconsistency. Oh, that's so strange. I never I never even thought about that before. I think they must have like borrowed that asset from the background of the K. Rule fight and maybe did that before the map screen was made and then didn't think to go I I don't know. I don't know. But um, so they're all just floating in the Atlantic Ocean now. K. Rule sails away. We see K. Rule sailing away. And they're just all sadly floating off the coast of DK Island. And Cranky says, Call that an ending? Looks like a cheap stunt setting up the story for the sequel. <laughs> and then they sadly float for longer. And then it time passes and it becomes sunset and they're still floating. And then it just ends. <laughs> It just ends with them in the water. Yeah, yeah, they they just, like, how do they make it back? Do they all swim? Does Engard pick them up? We don't know, because it cuts to the credits where we see more fireworks going off. So, you know, this is fine, really, for, for this original game. But the, the cartoony tone of this, when I say cartoony, I just mean, like, this kind of weightless, like, won't everybody shut up? Like, what is this? <laughs> the cartoony tone of this and the other games in this GBA trilogy, I, I really do think this would have been the direction of Rare's Donkey Kong in the GameCube era, which I, I think 
it sort of melds Donkey Kong 64's very slapsticky tone with the more traditional Donkey Kong elements that preceded it. So you kind of have a marriage between the Donkey Kong 64 style and a little bit more grounding, um, as seen in the Donkey Kong Country and Land games. Like, you saw a little right. bit of this in the Donkey Kong Racing trailer from what we've seen of Diddy Kong Pile and Coconut Crackers. This would have been consistent. But what when you actually apply this to the original Super Nintendo games, especially those first two, you know, the Greg Mayles, Chris Sutherland duology before DKC3, I don't know how well it works. It works okay here, DKC2 is where it really, I think, chafes against the original tone. Right. Maybe it would have been fine just like in new games. Maybe it just rubs you a little more roughly when it's uh, when it's being added to a game that you already know and love. Yeah, especially a game that really got by on its atmosphere. Not just get, got by, really sold itself on that level of immersion, on making you feel feel things like what, what people say like they they really felt their emotions being stirred the first time they heard aquatic ambience or right when they're at slipslide ride or or when the blizzard hit you know it's just like here it's just like <laughs> comment 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 little pithy comment <laughs> it's fine here it's dkc2 gba where i really dislike it the the right. ending to that game and we will discuss it when we do a spotlight episode on that the ending to that game was butchered and i just can't <laughs> believe they didn't realize what sacred ground they were trampling on with like the toilet paper stuck to their shoe that has been coated with diarrhea <laughs> how embarrassing oh this is fine though I, I i i like seeing them float in the ocean it's cute so uh, <laughs> yeah aside from the uh quote-unquote cutscenes, they also added um or in this case really augmented some of the stuff from the gbc version um so the game boy color version of course had stickers um the the stickers because it really tied in with the game boy printer and um you got stickers and, and you found stickers in the levels here they took that idea the successor to it is the scrapbook which takes um 52 photographs that you can unlock uncover in the game mostly obtained by collecting little cameras hidden in the levels, but they can also be earned by completing certain objectives, like catching the crab and Funky's fishing, um, completing all of Candy's dance challenges, stuff like that. And and you get... um, These pictures are just renders from the game, but there's a few interesting ones in there. Either artwork that we've never seen like actually printed in high quality versions or in two cases, new images created just for this game. And, and one I want to want to highlight that wasn't created for this game, but I don't think I've ever seen as the, is actual like standalone render is um, this Kremlin cast picture of King K. Rool yeah. with, 
a clump with a crusher with a claptrap with a rock rock and a critter. It, yeah, I I really like the uh, the claptrap with him. It kind of reminds me of a uh, DK sixty four. How he had the little pet one. Yeah, it's almost like his little pet just looking up at him, like a a dog would look up at its person. Yeah, Th- this is very similar to one they did for DKC two uh, of all the Kremlins posing together, which they did release. But yeah, I, I've never seen this one. And somebody asked me on social media the other week. Um, do you, do you have this? Have you ever seen it? And I do have some renders in my archives that uh, nobody's ever seen because uh, I'm a hoarder. And sometimes I find stuff that I'm not supposed to have. And I'm just like, hmm. But I I, I, <laughs> I, I don't have permission to share them. Um, I've never seen this one. I've never uncovered this one. I would love to have this one. And I think I could release this where I'd have access to it because it has been released on the GBA version. We just don't have the full quality version. So if you... Yeah, it's 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 weird because I feel like I've seen renders that are like similar to these. Yeah. But, but not exactly. Like that Critter one looks so familiar, but not like 100% what I've seen. Posed differently, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, if you or someone you know worked at rare and have access to this image please send it over to me at heil at dkvine.com thank you very much the two original i'll call them renders i i don't know if that's the right term in this case but the two original pieces of artwork uh the ones that can be obtained by um i think like finishing all of funky's fishing and um getting like I think you you unlock these piecemeal like there there's six pieces to unlock by completing yeah. each one um each funky's fishing each candy's dance studio and then you get the full picture and th- these are the original ones created just for this game of funky's fishing it's Diddy on a guard with a fishing pole and Donkey in the boat the little wooden fishing boat with a bag, I love this with one. a bag full of fish, and they're off the coast of Donkey Kong Island. It's sunset. It's the Donkey Kong Island as depicted on the map screen in this game. It's a lovely image. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I would love to see yeah, this. DK's them staring just right at the viewer with no expressions at all. Right, is a little like like weird. excuse me, do you mind? <laughs> uh, who invited you to this? Yeah, I would love to see this in a higher quality version, but I don't know if that would even exist considering this was made for the GBA version. The way it looks really makes me think, yeah, it was it was just something like what you see is what you get. Right. But I could be wrong. Uh, and then there's the Saturday Night Fever <laughs> version, because it is, it is Donkey, Diddy, and Candy disco dancing on, like, a, a Studio 54, like, disco dance floor with the disco ball overhead, but they're in the jungle. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. It's timely. A timely reference for 2003, because <laughs> who did not love... Classic John Travolta movie scored by the Bee Gees in 2000. Yeah, I mean, disco was in full swing by then. Right, it really helped us get over 9-11. <laughs> so they also have a time attack mode long before Professor Chops came to town. 
Uh, rare implemented time attack mode, first seen in Donkey Kong Land 3, by the way, uh, in a Donkey Kong Country game in DKC GBA. Here it was called DK Attack. DK Attack. And <laughs> oh no, <laughs> DK Attack. But I I'm love being you. attacked by DK. I love you, Donkey Kong. Why would you attack me? I'm one of your biggest <laughs> advocates. I've given, you, I've given you nothing but love over the years. You I, say a split second before that fist goes right in your head. I gave you the best years of my life. <laughs> so... I forget the rules to DK attack because it wasn't just a simple time attack. But there was there was all sorts of convoluted. Like I think you start with a minute, but you can add time as you go. Something like that. Yeah, I think like the if you kill like a bunch of Kremlings in a row, it'll like uh, take time off. Yeah, or something. It's been so long since I've done it. I completely cleared this. Like I got the best uh, ribbons on each one. So. I did do this fully, um, but... Same. I remember going through all of it. Honestly, like, once Donkey Kong Country Returns came out and Professor Chops cursed us with his shiny gold medals, which were like... <laughs> it's not even fun. It's just, like, nearly impossible to pull off. You have to be... It's so hard. You have to get, like, the perfect alchemy of movement and rhythm, and there's only one way to do it right. And it's just... It's just... It just overkill it's overkill well i think they knew that they were a little too hard because nothing they don't tie into like any completion i don't think you unlock anything by completing no. them other than bragging rights no it, it but it, it's terrible um yeah <laughs> one mode that i adore is hero mode and th this is something unique to DKCGB because I don't think there's an equivalent in DKC2 or DKC3 to hero I mode. don't think so. That's weird that it's exclusive to just this. Well, because you could plausibly say hero mode takes place after K. Rool sailed away. Like that really stupid ending. Um, eventually, like, K. Rool <laughs> comes back. I mean, because you just let him go. Of course, he's just going to come right back and do it again. And so Diddy then defeats K. Rool, and then he's actually defeated that time, and you don't have all this stupid patter on the Gangplank Galleon. But you can't right. do that with DKC2 GBA because Crocodile blows up, and what's K. Rool going to do? Raise Crocodile Isle? That's Donkey Kong Land 2. Let's not confuse <laughs> Uh, hero mode is sort of the spiritual predecessor to Retro's end-of-game hard modes, where you control one Kong. Um, in this case, you just control Diddy. It's unlocked by getting at least 90% completion on a save file. And in hero mode, you control Diddy. Only Diddy is wearing all yellow clothes. He's not wearing a red hat. And, and a red tank top, he's wearing a yellow hat and a yellow tank top. It's completely different. Um, it, it looks like it's just repurposed from the two-player contest Diddy Kong clothes. Um, mm -hmm. Which um, I know our friend Josh Wallen from Off the Geek Critique, who was just on the last episode, he's very interested in the, um, the possible lore of two-player contest. But... For our sake on this episode that's already, you know, about to hit the three-hour mark, we'll just say that two-player contest mode is of dubious canon, and this is the first time that the fully yellow-clothed Diddy 
it is made fully canonical without argument. And I know some people would argue, well, it's here remote canon. Yes, it's canon. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so he's got to do this without the star barrels or DK barrels. He's just doing it on his own. So kind of similar to yeah. like the DKC three harder modes that you put in via cheat codes. But yeah, I fucking love me some hero mode Diddy Kong. I think Diddy looks fantastic in this all yellow getup. Uh, he looks good. I I don't think I would want this to be his like default look or anything, but as a little uh, special little gift given to you, uh, it looks good. I, I like that he's just changing his clothes. He's like, oh, I have to do laundry. That was a sweaty adventure. <laughs> I'm going to put on this. These are my hero clothes. Um, like, here's the thing. I don't like the way this looks in Super Smash Brothers when, when he's got the red stars on it. Right. Um, I think it just looks as just base, just, just yellow. I think, I think it looks great. I think it pops. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, if they would, of course, add more detail to it, if this was his permanent look, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's, um, I, I think it's a lovely little, um, appearance for him. So yeah, I love hero mode. I love that they carve out a little space in this game to acknowledge that Diddy is starting off on his hero quest. Which, of course, is paid off in DKC2. But that's such an important part of Diddy's character arc in this game that's kind of not brought up that often. So it's nice that they did do this. And it was, like I said, a predecessor to what Retro would do. Like, Retro looked at all of Rare's Donkey Kong games and Banjo-Kazooie, weirdly enough, for influence when making Donkey Kong Country Returns. Like, they looked at the Super Nintendo ones, they looked at the Donkey Kong Land games... And they looked at these, and you can see that influence creep in you know, here and there with all of those games. Um, right. And, and this is where they really came up with the, their own end of game harder modes, which I don't think was the reward they thought they would be. Oh, now you get to play as uh, any Kong you want in single player. And it's just like, well, I wish I could have done that the whole time around, but okay. Um, but yeah, um, I love Hero Mode. Yeah, same. It's it's been a long time since I did it, but I have good memories of doing it. Yeah, uh, I I um I I I you know I'm a Diddy. I'm a, I'm a Diddy fan, right? Like Diddy is same. my character. So to have a whole mode dedicated to him would have been nice to have like that for Dixie and DKC two. Do something like that, uh, Kitty and DKC three. It's a shame they didn't get that same spotlight on them. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have some calls to take Dustin people wanted to talk about this game. Cause I think like, just as it was important to you, this is a foundational bedrock for a lot of people's Donkey Kong fandom. So let's take these calls starting with the first one. Cause you know, we could be weird and switch up the order, but Usually that just creates instances like, well, now the blackout basement is before the minecart stage, <laughs> and that doesn't feel right. So we're gonna throw the whole thing off. We're gonna do this in the intended order, the order in which they called in. Hey, Highland Dustin, it's Frieza. Um, the GBA remake is very, very, very fine. Uh, the worst thing that does though is remove all the improvements from the Game Boy Color version like the extended Winkies walkway, 
Mickey Nutmeg and Veronica Cow. What the hell were they thinking? Best thing it does is add Saber Wolf and the Saber Wolf GBA cost as a very pixelated photo. Um, other than that, the game is fine, I guess. Uh, well, we got Freezer on the line. We got Freezer in the chat. I'm, it's a real Freezer day. I'm cold right now, and I know it is winter down under, so that makes sense. Uh, thank you for the call, Freezer. Uh, ironically, lukewarm to DKCGBA. <laughs> like, like we said, like, I think it makes sense why those aspects to DKC GBC were not included in this game when you learn how they made this game. And yeah. um I think, you know, had they had the confidence that they would have by the time they got to DKC three, then they would have done that. They they would have added way more. They would have probably added a lost world to this. Um you can see them getting bolder and bolder with each game. By the time they got to DKC three they were feeling confident enough that they wanted to make DKC4. More on that in just a bit. But, yeah, you know, they didn't. Yeah, the Rare Cow was not in this. Uh, they they were starting to phase out the Rare Cow in the GBA. The Rare Cow didn't make it. It was referenced in Grunny's Revenge. But, yeah, the, the Rare Cow was um, nearing the end of its tenure. Yeah, it was taken out back. I think the Rare Cow did appear as a puzzle in It's Mr. Pants. And... Yeah, and, and was it in Saber Wolf GBA? I, um, I want to say it was, but that could be totally wrong. This, this is where, I, this is where it, I let me text Steve McCorkle and uh, <laughs> Steve was the rare cow in Saber Wolf GBA. Um, quick, tell us the top five rare cows. Maybe Saber Wolf is on there somewhere. Oh, Steve, Steve, this, I'm I'm redrafting this because I realize this might be weird for him to get this text at midnight. (laughs) This is Heil from off of, hold on, it's hard for me to to text and host a podcast at the same time. This is Heil from off of DK Vine. Was the rare cow in... Saber Wolf. My phone really should just auto predict what I'm going to say at this point. How many times do I type Saber Wolf GBA? Like at least five times a day. Um, right. It should just know by now. I'm recording the conversation and need to know. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Senate. Thank yous. Okay. So Steve will get that text. If Steve responds to me, I will let you know. Thank you. <laughs> Should we take the next call? I think so. All right. Good evening, Highland Dustin. This is Thomas of the Kremlin Campaigner, wishing everybody the stinkiest of stinky escape summers. Uh, really looking forward to this episode. I still have a lot of love for DKC, for the GBA, and that whole trilogy of ports. As a young kid, I'd, I'd seen but never really gotten to play the original DKC. So when, a few years later, it was me tagging along with my parents at Costco, and I saw 
the GBA SP bundled with the original DKC1 port, I very quickly became obsessed, and it was the first video game I ever received uh, later that Christmas. I have a lot of happy memories with that port. It was me either staying up all night with my cousin trying to beat, I think it was Bouncy Bonanza, whereas I would compete with my brother at the time trials mode. I know every, everyone's not the biggest fan of this port due to some of the, the graphical and the musical changes, but I do hope we get to see these ports eventually make their way onto NSO at some point like they've done with the, uh, the Mario Advance games. One question I'd like to throw out there, it's been said that these ports during a time of experimentation for DK were partially responsible for the direction Nintendo went going ahead into the Retro Studios area. Um, in the alternate world where these ports underperformed, I'm curious, how different do you think things would have looked for DK? I mean, I'm guessing the IP probably would have been a priority still with backers like Miyamoto, but would they have gone with maybe different gameplay, a different tonal style? Would that have become the brand nowadays as opposed to Donkey Kong Country? Looking forward to your thoughts, and otherwise, uh, I appreciate all you do to keep the fan base, uh, fan base of spirits up. All the best. Oh, well, thank you for the call. Thomas, that's a good question. It's a scary yeah. question. Um, Interesting. And maybe maybe I will save the answer to that or our debate about that a few minutes from now when, when we co- sort of start wrapping this up. Because it, it, is, it is worth pondering, but I might have to think about it a little bit. Because I honestly don't know if I have an answer to that because there's too many variables to consider and weigh. But... um. Yeah, um, like, like I, you know, you, you mentioned like you got this in a bundle with, with the SP, and I'm just thinking how you could have had such a nice little defined DKU library just with the GBA. Um, if you never had any other system, you, you could have had the three Donkey Kong Country games. You could have Banjo Kazooie Granny's Revenge, Saber Wolf, Banjo Pilots. Um, it's Mr. Pants, if you were one of the 12 people who found that. You could have <laughs> DK King of Swing, um, you know, Mario Kart Super Circuit even. Like, s- just such a bountiful DKU experience that covers such a wide swath of the DKU. Yeah, it's it's not something I really thought about before Just you just saying it right now. If you only got the rare GBA games, that would still be like a pretty sizable amount of games. Or DKU, not just rare. Yeah, but all all of Rare's GBA games were DKU now. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That that would be like I I thought about that. Like if I had to just pick one system, like Desert Island, right? Like one video game system. For the rest of my life. and um, But I, I could take any games from that system with me. What would it be? And I think it might be the GBA. Because I would have so much available. And, and I'm not including things like Nintendo Switch Online. Or, you know, eShop or anything like that. Like Virtual Console. Like, I'm just saying, like, native to that system. Released for that system. Then um, right. it, might, it might be the GBA, yeah. GBA is a very strong choice. Um, I don't know what I'd do because I, I'm. That's that's a hard choice because my game tastes are kind of more scattered, so I'd be missing out on a lot. But um, maybe Xbox One because it has rare replay that counts. 
Uh, Dustin, Steve just responded to me. Steve McCorkle Ooh. from Alpha Rare Gamer in, in the oh text my chat on my phone says, uh, you know, because I said, Steve, this is Heil from off of DK Vine, was the rare cow and saber wolf GBA. I'm recording the conversation and need to know. Thanks. Uh, and Steve just responded and said, yes, it was cow costume in the mayor's office. How could I forget? That's right. How could I totally forget that? I, I was just watching Freezer's video on Saber Wolf the other day and I said, there it is. I, I yeah, I completely spaced. But yeah, the mayor was into some kinky sex play. Had a cow costume. <laughs> moo. Moo. That's 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 a uh, that's a pretty cool twist to this this podcast went down. So yeah, they were phasing the rare cow out, but the rare cow got like what three three GBA games then out of the seven, so That's pretty good. Yeah. That's more GBA games than I've been in. <laughs> Well, I don't know, like counting you from It's Mr. Pants, starting from there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. All right. So one more call, and then we will wrap this up with final thoughts about how Donkey Kong Country Game Boy Advance impacted Donkey Kong, the DKU, and maybe where we would be without it. Hey, it's uh, Evan uh, L. Sidley on the forums, a uh, longtime listener, first time caller, uh, but I saw that you guys are doing an episode on the GBA Donkey Kong Country, uh, and you've mentioned before the idea that uh, those games brought in a lot of new fans, and so I just want to share that that is my story. Uh, my first uh, introduction to gaming was the N64 and got DK64, which is still one of my favorite games. Uh, so I knew the first country game kind of existed, but had never played it, and then later on when I got a Game Boy Advance uh, and then the SP, saved my money, Bought Donkey Kong Country, thought it was awesome. Uh, eventually, I remember going to Toys R Us and finding out there was a second one, and that's how I was introduced to DKC2, and uh, really just uh, loved those games. And it's kind of, I thought it was really smart of Nintendo to do so many of those remakes, because even today, I didn't own it as Super Nintendo until way later in life when I bought one for fun, but I'm nostalgic for Super Nintendo games, specifically because of all of the GBA remakes. So good on them, great introduction for me. Um, obviously, I know that they're not... Uh, as good as the Super Nintendo ones now that I've played both, but don't know that as a kid, and it's a great introduction. So, thank you. Well, thank you for the call. Another convert from DKC GBA. By the way, Freezer in the chat was also chiming in. Before Steve got back to me, Freezer was on top of it. Talked about the cow costume in the mayor's office in Saber Wolf. And, you know, why Why do you even turn to Steve now? We have two rare cow experts in the community. That's true. Yeah, Steve, you have some competition now. You're going to have to up your game. You're going to have to find the rare cow where there's never been a rare cow. You're going to have to get conspiratorial and, and look for rare cows between the lines in the warp realms of rare games. Boy, I, they're going to have to compete to see who's the more knowledgeable one on these rare cows. I look forward to it. We we could have a showdown. Yeah, I'd love it. Maybe like an, an annual uh, competition. <laughs> Each year they have to train for the rare cow-offs. It's like, you know, we have a gold medal and a silver medal, but they're the only ones who ever compete for them every every four years or so. Yeah. That's so stupid. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, 
our, our last caller mentioned like, and this seemed like to be a common refrain. Like, I know they're not as good as the Super Nintendo ones. I don't think you need to to say that with us. Like, I you don't you don't need to like clarify or put any qualifiers on your love or appreciation to these games or what they mean to you. Obviously, a game doesn't have to be the best version of it to have a great deal of emotional historical significance to you, which is exactly what these games did to so many. They created legions of Donkey Kong fans. And, you know, it's funny because going back through, like, compiling research for this episode, Mm. I stumbled upon so many critical reviews contemporary critical reviews from that era and in most of the big gaming magazines they were all sort of terrible um right and i think this is mostly owing to the zeitgeist at the time which said that donkey kong country was an overrated game people were wowed by the graphics but the graphics haven't aged well the graphics are trash but People were stupid in 1994, um, but they're not they're not enlightened like us in 2003. Uh, Don- yeah, they don't have these 2003 gigantic brains like we do. Uh, Donkey Kong Country was terrible. Rare was terrible. That's why Nintendo got rid of Rare. They didn't want them anymore. They said, "Stop making shitty games. We don't want you. <laughs> Get out of here." Um, I guess that is where Rare went wrong. They should have stopped making shitty games. Then it would all be great. Then Nintendo would have bought them. Yeah. It, it, obviously. Obviously, this is the era in which we found ourselves at DK Vine and why we were such unrepentant shits back then is because we were on the defensive about everything because the games media of the era was telling us, you're wrong. What you like sucks. And it was such a <laughs> strange feeling because we were champions of the world when Donkey Kong Country was new. And, you know, right. it was universally beloved. I mean, there might be criticisms here or there, but it was just generally hot. It was popular. Donkey Kong Country mania, right? And and to suddenly say, no, you were wrong. Your childhood is invalidated. It was just a weird, weird time and it was a contentious time and then you factor in the element of rare no longer being with nintendo of the future of donkey kong being in question and so it was just this toxic brew of resentment all around um electronic gaming monthly specifically said besides the graphics which still look good the game has not held up well that was their opinion on Yikes. Donkey Kong Country, now considered one of the most beloved platformers. Once yeah, again, did, did they not play the fishing minigame? <laughs> but despite that, despite that um, sort of just dark, gloomy um feeling at the time that like it, it was donkey Kong country fans versus the world a funny thing happened donkey Kong country for the game boy advance did find an audience beyond just 
those 90s kids who could not let go. It would become the best-selling Donkey Kong game of that decade. Damn, that's some good stuff. The GBA remake trilogy would go on to become the most consistent sellers out of all of the Donkey Kong games that would come out in the buyout era, which was quite a bit. Now, this isn't to take away from anything else that those games were doing. Um, Donkey Kong post-buyout was very diverse. Because aside from the Donkey Kong Country remake trilogy for the GBA, we also had bongo-controlled rhythm games, Donkey Kongas 1, 2, and in Japan only 3, bongo-controlled 2D platformers, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, Peg Swingers, DK King of Swing and Jungle Climber, a bongo-controlled racing game that was then turned into a Wii Nunchuck waggling racing game, in Donkey Kong Barrel Blast slash Jet Race, we have the Loosed Arcade Revival series in Mario vs. Donkey Kong. And of course, we had Donkey Kong appearing in all manner of Mario games. Right. And the thing that, at least that was Donkey Kong branded, that sold the best and made legions of new fans was the same Donkey Kong Country games from the previous decade damn i i guess they do hold up well yeah egm egm where are you now egm oh you stopped (laughs) making print publications oh you became (laughs) website only oh your website is basically hardly ever updated now and nobody ever goes to you oh Hmm, i guess that's what they get for not liking this game that i like I think DK Vine's bigger than EGM now. I like Ooh, that's not much of an exaggeration. I like that. Um, so Rare did want to make Donkey Kong Country Four for the Nintendo DS, and we found that out from our uh, interview with Tim Stamper. So what Tim Stamper said was, after finishing the DKC three conversion, finally our engine was at a point where we could add objects slash enemies easily. The player's handling felt decent. The R2, with no more horrendously washed-out backgrounds. The level designer had a good feel from recreating the original trilogy's level layout, and we thought it'd be good to put that into a 2.5D sequel on Nintendo DS. And, and you know, they, they talked about this. They allegedly went to Nintendo and said, Hey, what if we did this? Because look at how well the Duncan Country games we made for you on the GBA are selling. Imagine what we could do with DKC4. And Nintendo said, yeah, we, we know how well they're selling. Um, that's why we're going to make it. <laughs> they didn't say that to them, but that's what, that, that's what their plan was. That's why they said, um, no. Um, no right. offense, Rip. And, and it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, they, they wanted somebody to do it who, one, could actually develop it for the Wii. And two, could yeah. maybe continue following up on it and wouldn't be hindered by the whims of Microsoft. Yeah, it would It would be weird if the next big DKC game was on the DS. Like, I know the DS was big, but I think for something like that, you'd want to have it on, like, your big main system. Exactly. Like, I, I could see the appeal, but I think DKC4 for the DS would still be, like, this nostalgic throwback, whereas they wanted Donkey Country Returns to turn the page, to sort of be, yeah, like, 
this this announcement that hey Donkey Kong Country is back full time. Granted, full time turned out to be two games in a decade, but that wasn't <laughs> the intent. So, you know, I, I to, to answer Thomas's question, um, I don't really know where Donkey Kong would be without this game. I think it's a fair question to ask if Donkey Kong Country would have had a revival. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility given, you know, Nintendo does occasionally revive something out of the blue. Like, oh, here's a new punch out. Here's yeah, here's a new Star Fox. Here's Kid Icarus. But usually there is some sort of impetus behind that. Like the drive behind right. Kid Icarus was Sakurai became enamored with Pit. Um, developing Brawl and was like, you know, what if I tried my hand at a Kid Icarus game? Whereas the <laughs> impetus behind Donkey Kong Country Returns was Donkey Kong Country GBA games sold a buttload of money for Nintendo and Nintendo was like, this is the direction we need to go. It might have been a much longer wait to get a new Donkey Kong Country game had those games not existed. We might have gone through a myriad of iterations for what Donkey Kong could be with rotating cast, rotating presentation. We might still not be there today. There probably wouldn't be a theme park being constructed right now in Japan and the United States. There probably would be a dramatically different presentation of Donkey Kong and friends in the Super Mario Brothers movie. And whoever would have Donkey Kong in development right now there would be a lot more uncertainty about what the feel would be. Like, like we don't know what the... Now what is Donkey Kong Country? Right, we don't know exactly what form the new Donkey Kong game purportedly in development will be, but we have a pretty good idea. It's going to take place in a jungle, there's going to be swinging and, and adventuring and bananas, and, and granted, Jungle Beat had that too, but... I think it's going to be a lot more tr- closer to what we remember from DKC than even Jungle Beat was. And I can tell you right now, DK Vine would no longer be around if it wasn't oh. for this game, because this game spawned Donkey Kong Country Returns. And if Donkey Kong Country Returns had not come out exactly around that time, then we would have basically let our server expire we we would have just let dk vine die and that would have been that that would have been the end of the story and man my life would be totally different i'd have like a whole different collection of friends different uh uh community online if i was even part of one dustin so actually i did jump through a warp barrel and travel the multiverse the other day and i did find out what your life would be like oh Um, what am i up to so the good news is or maybe, I guess in this case, the bad news. The bad news is you would have been a billionaire. Oh, okay. Oh, glad I dodged that bullet. But oh, flip side is you would have been in that sub. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah. Um, as we await Donkey Kong's resurgence yet again, um, I, I think we owe... I would say everything to Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance. And, you know, it, it created a new generation of Donkey Kong fans nine years after 
the original. And then seven years after that, a new generation of Donkey Kong Country fans were created with Donkey Kong Country Returns. And um, yeah, geez, it, it really isn't something you'd think about until it's laid out like that. It, it's, it's kind of a sobering thought realizing just how much rode on these GBA versions. Yeah. So, you know, every, everybody can say like, oh, I, I like that game, but I know it's not as good as the Super Nintendo one. And, and no, it's not. But you don't need to say that. You can love it. <laughs> you, you can hold it up as the one that means the most to you without worrying about hurting the feelings of the older generations. Um, just like we can say, you know, my Donkey Kong is the Donkey Kong from Donkey Kong Country, even though I respect the arcade games and I realize they were foundational. Like, we don't need to go through this qualifying panic of explaining why we like the things we like. We can just like the things that we like and let that be that. And I think that's the important lesson that we learned coming out of that era and that uh, shit publications like EGM didn't learn, and that's why they died, and DK Vine <laughs> is still thriving. Moo. Moo. This has been a File 2 production. Hey, Rico.